Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's a free-for-all edition of Flyover Politics Podcast. Maroon 5 had been the unofficial pick for months, but reportedly struggled to find guest performers, partly due to backlash over the NFL's handling of Colin Kaepernick and players' right to protest. Rihanna reportedly turned down the offer to perform, deciding to stand in solidarity with a former 49ers quarterback turned free agent. Comedian Amy Schumer announced she wouldn't appear in any Super Bowl ads this year. My fellow Americans, they say we're a nation divided. And in October, even calling out Maroon 5 in an Instagram post saying, I think it would be cool if Maroon 5 backed out of Super Bowl. Stand up for your brothers and sisters of color. If this BuzzFeed News report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings. If it were to be true, it means the president told someone to lie under oath, which very simply is a crime and is impeachable. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings. If you can prove that the president ordered it, that to certainly rise to the level of, uh, rises to the level of impeachable offense. We're going to know if the president of the United States committed a federal felony, and at that point we are in high crimes and misdemeanor, and we are in impeachment right. territory. Right. Is that an impeachable offense? Uh, this is suborning perjury. I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense. That is considered an impeachable offense. Absolutely, these are impeachable offenses. Inside that answer, I did hear the I word impeachable. Impeachment is a very fine alternative way to deal with this. Democrats will move maybe faster, maybe more aggressively toward impeachment. There are an awful lot of similarities between a couple of the articles of impeachment against Nixon and the elements of this story. The very same offense for which the House of Representatives moved to impeach Richard Nixon. In the past, been impeachable. Yeah, that is the exact way that uh, Nixon was kicked I know, out we of office. Talk about it's one of the things that drove Richard Nixon out of office. CNN has not corroborated this reporting. CNN, we should be clear, has not independently confirmed this. CNN has not independently confirmed this reporting. It is important for us to note this morning that neither CNN nor any other major news outlet has so far confirmed BuzzFeed's reporting. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's 21st of January, year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah, we got foe to start and foe to end. That, of course, is the BuzzFeed article. But this is a free-for-all segment. So we're going to cover that in our lead-in, and then we're going to end those social media nuggets with the Catholic school craziness. And unlike the major media who decided not to research... Your humble host did. You're going to hear some African-American Israelite guys. My God. How the media didn't clean it on this, I don't know. And Mr. Indian with his tom-tom. Yeah, he provoked it all. And he's provoked, a new, he's provoked numerous things. So, 
Our lineup's going to be, of course, March for Life, uh, Women's March. I had to scrub Planet X. I really want to cover that. But this is so long, can't do it. The news and social media nuggets. So let's get straight in. CNN and MSNBC, you heard, repeatedly floated impeachment over the disputed BuzzFeed article. 200 times it was said on TV over an article that proved to be wrong. So the special counsel office disputed a bombshell report by BuzzFeed News. According to Daily Caller Review of TV clipping service Grabian, personalities on CNN and MSDNC use the word impeach, impeachment, impeachable, 179 times. CNN led with 82 times. Then MSNBC said, well, fuck you, hold our beer, 97 times, said it. Uh, some of the more... Good ones. Emmett's DNC's Katie Kerr, for example, stated at top for show that Donald Trump is facing the most damning part today for presidency, a story that can lead to impeachment. Both outlets also interviewed a number of Democratic congresspeople to get their thoughts on the possibility of impeachment. Wolf Blitzer, for example, spoke to Jim Himes about the implication due to the report and it turned out to be verified while MSDNC hosts brought on Ted Lieu and really didn't ask if it was verified or not. They didn't give a fuck. They, they were just running with it. Just running with it. Here's a BuzzFeed Ben. Trump supporters attacks on BuzzFeed News and its reporters. That is the last weakest resort when you don't have anything else to say. Oliver Darcy, Jason Leopold, and A. Cormier have scored a number of scoops for BuzzFeed on the Trump Tower Moscow project, but the intense attention has also resurfaced Leopold's checkered past. Anthony Cormers, one of the two investigating reporters of BuzzFeed News, who co-authored the bombshell report published Tuesday Thursday night, a report which claims Trump directed his former lawyer Cohn to lie during congressional testimony over discussions between the Trump Organization and Russian authorities about Trump Tower Moscow project. Cormier appeared on CNN New Day and revealed that he had not seen the evidence underlying his report. Allison Camerata opened the interview by asking Cormier he had seen the evidence to which Cormier replied, Not personally! He, folks we have talked to, two officials we have spoken to, are 100% read into the aspects of the investigation. This, of course, afterwards, because initially Oliver Zadolsi was like, Impeach him! Bethany Mandel, yep, and after the dossier, my willingness to retweet the story and say, wow, is limited. Waiting for additional reporting. So here's just a montage of the, like, 95th time in two years. They got some Russian bombshell... That's a lie. If this BuzzFeed News report is true, that the special counsel has evidence beyond just Michael Cohen's testimony that the president directed his former personal attorney to lie to Congress, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings. Because this, this is black and white. This is a very easily provable or chargeable crime. While the president cannot be indicted while he's in office, this would all be up to Congress. While everything else we've talked about in terms of possible criminal wrongdoing by the president has been in gray areas. Obstruction of justice, firing his FBI director. Is that, isn't it? Intelligent minds can disagree. Even these questions about conspiracy or cooperation with Russia. It's all still gray. But this, again, if it's true, this is the most damaging 
thing that has come out uh, against the president so far. I will caution, though, the story is based on anonymous federal law enforcement officials. But so far, Cohen and his representatives, they have come out with a non-denial denial, just a no comment. In no way are they trying to tamp this story down. Hmm. All right, Paula, let me tap your legal head here, your legal mind. You're a former <laughs> lawyer. If this is true, could this fit the definition of obstruction of justice? It's possible. There's two. There's a few things here. The first is whether or not he tried to suborn perjury. If he encouraged Cohen to perjure himself, which speaks to the larger question about possible obstruction of justice. It is possible. What I'd need to know is what these documents are, what they say, um, how he directed this, what the strategy was. We need more information to know exactly how this would fit. But again, this would be pretty black and white. I mean, well, right now they're they're attacking us and attacking the reporters and doing and you know the facts are really bad. So they're, they're they they the president's um, the president's son, their friends on Fox News are launching ad hominem attacks on us. I mean, that's you know basically the weakest way. You know, you're you're an old debater. That is the last and weakest resort when you don't have anything else to say. Your colleague, uh, who you wrote the story with, says that neither of you, when you talk about those documents, that you guys haven't actually seen them. You haven't seen the documents, the texts, the emails, etc. So how confident are you that they actually exist, that this is true? I don't think that we've said that we haven't seen them. Uh, but I will say that I'm very confident uh, that they exist. Your colleague said on CNN this morning that you were briefed on these documents by those law enforcement sources that you referenced. Can you clarify for me sort of where, what the status is of that? Sure. We uh, over the course of um, a year, we've we've reported pretty extensively yeah. uh, on the Trump Moscow project, uh, and we have been. We, we I, I'll just say that we we've, we've seen documents. We've been briefed on documents. We're, we're very confident uh, in our reporting. Now, that's what I'm sort of trying to get to here, Jason. The idea, because one thing yeah. we keep saying is, listen, if this is true, this has some serious implications, but you can't ignore the if this is true part. <laughs> right. I, I completely understand that. Um, but you are confident in your story. It has sparked, as you say, it has sparked a lot of reaction, as I'm sure you've seen. Joaquin Castro saying the president yeah. must now resign or be impeached if this is true. Adam Schiff says we will do what's necessary to find out if it's true. Chris Murphy says it's time for Mueller to show Congress's cards before it's too late for them to do something. So where do you go next in your reporting? Have any avenues come open to you in the last 12 hours since this story broke that you're now digging in on? Yeah, I mean, we're continuing in an effort to try to advance it, you know, perhaps also we're, uh, one, in trying to see how, how much we can uh, uh, get in terms of uh, some of the color, if you will, uh, with regard to uh, some of these face-to-face -face briefings that uh, Michael Cohen had with Donald Trump uh, regarding uh, the, the the, the time that it took place uh, during the campaign, we have uh, a pretty good idea about that. So uh, more or less establishing some of the color behind it uh, and uh, essentially trying to pry loose some of those documents uh, so we can share it with the public. Um, Jason, as you are talking on the... So DNC talking heads, you know, Schiff, the allegation the president of the United States may be suborned, suborned perjured, before our committee is an effort to curtail the investigation and cover up his business dealing with Russia is among the most serious to date. We will do whatever is necessary to find out if it's true. Initially, it was, I thought, collusion. Now it's, it's financial. Oh, we're going. To oh, I got it. We're going after whatever we can. Okay. Preet Bahara, ex-federal judge, fired by Trump. 
Yeah, if truth is a game changer, huge deal. Reserving judgment till there's more proof. Sometimes when the most blockbuster incriminating stuff comes forward, you want to be most measured because the facts will speak for themselves and damn the guilty. Rhetoric won't be necessary because it was all a lie. And then the media had to say it was a lie, but at the same time, fuck you conservatives or anybody who's over there going, what is this, number 95 on the Trump's getting impeached because of Russia? What the reaction here may be, the press screwed up and they should apologize and and that, you know, the media isn't as great as it thinks it is. I mean, this is a bad day for the news media. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, this that statement is at least a partial repudiation of an enormously important story. It does reinforce bad stereotypes about the news media. I agree with yeah. you. I am desperate as a media reporter to always say to the audience, judge folks individually and judge brands individually. Don't fall for what these politicians out there want you to do. They want you to think we're all crooked. We're not. Uh, but BuzzFeed and, and neither now, is BuzzFeed. I mean, but I, now BuzzFeed, now the onus is on BuzzFeed, right? Yeah, now the onus is on bad BuzzFeed. Day for BuzzFeed. Ben Smith says he knows the identity of the two sources. Obviously, the reporters know the identity of the two sources. Uh, they're going to be going back to those two sources and hopefully to other sources to try to get to the bottom of this. Now it's a dispute, and I don't know how that dispute's going to be resolved. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you. This, this will be used, obviously, against the media as a whole. Uh, but I hope that we can see past that and be smarter than that. I hope... The, the president weak? doesn't I mean, guide everybody else to use it against the press. I think that the president... I think they'd lose their job. Although I have to tell you, Mueller didn't do the media any favors tonight. And he did do the president one. Because as you saw with Rudy Giuliani, and as I'm sure you'll see with the president himself, um, this allows them to say, you can't believe it. You can't believe what you read. You can't believe what you hear. You can only believe us. Even the special counsel says that the media doesn't get it right. Yes, but on the other hand, you know, folks like us have been saying Mueller is a very respected prosecutor, yes. a by-the-books prosecutor, a former Republican, for all sakes, and Trump always accuses them of being biased and saying the 13 or 19 angry Not Democrats or whatever working for Mueller and so on. <laughs> no way. And so that, you know, so, you know, yes, we can talk about the boomerang on the media, but also there's someone else who demonstrated, I think, once again, his bona fides, and that's Robert Mueller. Well, I have to tell you, Mueller didn't do the media any favors tonight, and he did do the president one. Because as you saw with Rudy Giuliani, and as I'm sure you'll see with the president himself, um, this allows them to say, you can't believe it. You can't believe what you read. You can't believe what you hear. You can only believe us. Even the special counsel says that the media doesn't get it right. That the president is a racist, like BuzzFeed started with the conclusion uh, that he colluded with Russia. Well, guess what? Then you find evidence that somehow, some way, fits your narrative. And okay. that's not journalism. We talked about BuzzFeed for the that, first 45 minutes of the show. We're not talking about that. And I didn't, talk, I didn't start with the supposition that the president was racist. We talked about this story, which made absolutely no sense about some woman who may, who may or may not even know what a prayer rug looks like. Wait, you're Kirsten, telling me you're I'm not sorry. accusing him let of racism? Give you, let me, Against let me give you. I'm accusing. Uh, I'm accusing him. I'm not accusing. I'm questioning whether he is being reckless with the way he's treating this and what he is tweeting out about it, and that he's. You know, Chucky Todd's going to run his suck trap. Those trying to tell all media today aren't interested in improving journalism and protecting themselves. There's a lot more accountability in these days than in our politics. We know we live in a glass house. We hope the folks we cover are self-aware. 
Somebody replied, this is your fault, explains Newsman. Once again, the concern is how this will be used against the media, not how a major outlet could screw up this badly and how prevent to prevent it again. Because again, they're upset BuzzFeed got caught, not that they were misled. Derek Hunter. Sorry, I had a page freeze. It's not our fault you screwed up. On your network right now, they're still talking about the latest uh, oopsie as if it were true. We don't know which part Mueller is disputing is not covered for continued spreading of the story, yet that's what's happening. Who is being held accountable for spreading a bogus story all day? When I was in journalism, we wouldn't amplify other stories unless we could verify. Here's Chuck Todd sniveling at the demise of his silly profession, a profession he helped ruin with his if-true stories. Unreal. I'll keep saying it, but journalists make all their mistakes in only one direction, and they're not really mistakes, and they're not really journalists. Well, since NBC owns BuzzFeed, can at least blame NBC? Because that's true. Molly Hemingway, this is in itself a false statement. There's been no accountability in the media for hundreds of false Russian stories and invented and widely accepted by media, or for refusal to cover real story of government targeting of Trump campaign administration. There's no accountability. One guy got re- fired. Was it Ross? And he's working somewhere else. The Hill, you knew it was coming. Conservatives pound BuzzFeed News media over Cone Report. Political bunny. Conservative pounce, Chick, Ch- Chuck Viberman, typo, you hack should have won it with the time-honored pounce. So not BuzzFeed and media rebuked over Cohen report by Mueller team, it's conservative pound, because that's the real story. Phil Prange, it's spelled pounce, the meme is Republicans pounce. We're going to mindlessly protest protect the left's misdeeds by focusing on conservative responses to the misdeeds, at least get the wording right. Networks spend 27 minutes on dubious BuzzFeed report. Remember, that's just ABC, NBC, CBS morning and evening shows. ABC, of course, led the way with Snuffle Up, I guess, a good old Democrat. 10 minutes and 32 seconds between Good Morning America and World News. But not to be outdone, 10 minutes and 5 seconds on Today and NBC Nightly News. And third place was CBS. It was only 6 minutes and 56 seconds. And they were called probably conservative. They're goddamn Fox News. Interesting side note. 58% of Americans feel misunderstood by the news media. It's the latest poll. That's Dems and conservatives. But, I mean, I think most of them is conservatives. Because, yeah. Yeah. But, you know... Joe Concha and Tom Elliott will end this little montage. We'll move on to Pence because what was said on the TV pretty much sums up everything I've been saying about forever. And then it's totally encapsulated in our ending story probably three hours from now with the Catholic school Indian tom-tom craziness that happened this weekend. The media's incessant hate of Christians because they're Democrats. You know, they are the progressive, they are the opposition party, nine times out of ten. And they hate Christians. So, we're going to wrap this and go into a soundbite, because I want to leave you with the montage of impeachment one more time. And then we'll go into what was said about Pence by King on CNN. But Concha and Elliot, I think, 
pretty much summed it up. WAPO Saturday. Mueller denial, according to people familiar with the matter, aims to make clear that none of those statements in BuzzFeed's story are accurate. Friday, impeachment was said more than 200 times on CNN and MSNBC after each news organization couldn't confirm the story. And Tom Elliott responded to Concha, don't forget the media was already calling for Trump's impeachment following the now-disputed BuzzFeed report. They've been wanting him impeached from day one. Doesn't matter what it's on or what it's for. They just want him impeached. So this is nothing new. This is just another brick in the lack of journalistic integrity. Because with this story, and I hate to keep tying in these two stories, but they're identical, and the Catholic stories, I'll just sing out CNN, the most trusted name in news, need other news agencies to come forward and go, yeah, this is bullshit. Because they don't investigate. If it fits their narrative, narrative A, Trump's the devil, needs to be impeached. Narrative B, Christians are horrible, conservatives are horrible, if you have wrong, think you're horrible. They just run with it. And as of this morning, or late last night, both these stories, our lead story and the story at the very end, CNN was still pushing it. Even though they both were disproved, they were still pushing that Trump should be impeached and a bunch of Christian high school kids are evil. So here's impeachment one more time, 200 times in one day. And King John type 1H. It's fucking horrible. If this BuzzFeed News report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings. If it were to be true, it means the president told someone to lie under oath, which very simply is a crime and is impeachable. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings. If you can prove that the president ordered it, that to certainly rise to the level of, uh, rises to the level of impeachable offense. We're going to know if the president of the United States committed a federal felony, and at that point we are in high crimes and misdemeanor, and we are in impeachment We're, territory. Right. Is that an impeachable offense? Uh, this is suborning perjury. I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense. That is considered an impeachable offense. Absolutely, these are impeachable offenses. Inside that answer, I did hear the I word impeachable. Impeachment is a very fine alternative way to deal with this. Democrats will move maybe faster, maybe more aggressively toward impeachment. There are an awful lot of similarities between a couple of the articles of impeachment against Nixon and the elements of this story. The very same offense for which the House of Representatives moved to impeach Richard Nixon in the past been impeachable. If that is the exact way that Nixon was kicked know, out of office. It's one of the things that drove Richard Nixon out of office. CNN has not corroborated this reporting. CNN, we should be clear, has not independently confirmed this. CNN has not independently confirmed this reporting. It is important for us to note this morning that neither CNN nor any other major news outlet has so far confirmed BuzzFeed's reporting. Negotiations in law school, and that right now is not a negotiation. Tiffany, let me ask you this. Are you uh, uh, one that does a lot of collection of data at uh, the BDC? When he gives this uh, statistic that uh, 90% of heroin comes across the southern border, that all of this crime will go up, 
the kind of boogeyman scare Americans that I think it's a stunt, but it's also, I think, more of a stunt to, uh, to get people away from the shutdown, which he didn't address. But aside from that, is anything in your research that any way, shape or form confirms the stuff that he portrayed uh, in terms of the people that are seeking to come to this country? Well, Rev, let me first say that this deal was put together by Secretary of All the Things, Jared Kushner, and by the uh, Jesus Whisperer, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. This is not a deal that any Democrat was consulted on or had the opportunity to touch. This president has tried to connect the uh, drug war with the immigration crisis, and he fails. I want to remind the people that this is not a president who cares about the opioid price crisis. He nominated Congressman Tom Marino to be his drug czar. We all remember from the 60 Minutes special that Tom Marino was pretty much a pawn for Big Pharma and helped escalate the drug crisis. So we can eliminate his fake concern by that. Also, I know we have to talk about uh, the politics of this, Rev, but I just want to first <coughs> mention that the 800,000 people who are suffering, which really cast a net to millions of people, that our hearts are with you. The president didn't mention you today, but certainly all of us across this country are thinking about you because we all understand what it's like to go without a paycheck, what it's like for working individuals to Food he didn't address that he at all. He didn't address it at all because let, he does well, not Let me care. go to this, though. Listen to this point made by the president moment. Uh, when you use your core beliefs in this kind of public way, obviously it does open yourself up to criticism. And I think the Pence's uh, might be a little naive to think that that wouldn't happen uh, if she is going to make this decision. It's interesting to me that they made no attempt to get ahead of it. Right. Uh, they they made this announcement that she was going to be working at this school and then saw the backlash come a couple does days it, later. Does it matter that all taxpayers pay for her housing? All taxpayers pay for a Secret Service protection. She, you know, it's not her fault that she needs protection. This is the world we live in. But all taxpayers pay for subsidize for life. Does it matter? So you mean does her First Amendment, do her First Amendment freedoms get somehow curtailed because taxpayers pay for her accommodations and her security? But she can. She, other people have the First Amendment freedoms to criticize, and they should expect that. They but, but also, yes, this right, is right, criticism. Right. This is criticism right. of the Pence's doing this. It's right. not actually a blanket criticism of Christian education. Everything is fair debate. We live in a democracy. That is just fucking unbelievable. Uh, the backside of that was somebody on MSNBC saying Pence is a Jesus whisperer. John Cooper. Wow. John King just raised this question whether second ladies should be denied Secret Service protection and even government housing, housing simply for being a Christian. Does it matter that all taxpayers pay for her Secret Service protection? What's he getting at? Lola, what a moronic question. Allah Pundit, what, what is he even suggesting? Felicity Smith, I can't even believe this is being discussed. You don't get to change something just because you don't like it. And Lady is entitled to all benefits of her standing. BT, fortunately, this is the first... This is the first time a politician or one of their family members has done something that didn't meet with 100% taxpayer approval. Otherwise, John King would look like a fucking moron. Liz Wheeler, this is the left with the smacking hand thing that everybody does on social media. If you don't echo the radical leftist ideology, they want to shut you up. Karen Pence is a Christian. Well, she shouldn't be allowed to be since her Secret Service protection is funded by the taxpayers, according to CNN. This is insane. Inez Stepman hit what I was thinking. This is horrifying and dangerous. This is ba basically saying Christians don't 
deserve to be in politics. Christians are evil. And once again, we're tying in the last story. It's evident in our media to judge Christians. You can't judge Islam. Can't judge any of them. Pentagon reporter in her zeal, and she got just smacked for it, compares extremist Pence to Farrakhan and the KKK over defending his wife working at a Christian school. But nobody covered this. Rashid Tlaib blames Trump for death threats like he's sending out some sort of signal. Ilian Omar, the Muslim congresswoman, Saudi Arabian, tried to smear secure place on powerful house committee that could stop the U.S. from selling arms to the kingdom. That Islamist is now on the house committee. Listen to this statement that was on the house floor. And I demand that the president end his temper tantrums and quest for a racist and xenophobic wall. The Palestinians are native to the land. You know, they were there um, for a very long time. And so they're native to the land. Do you feel that the Jewish people are native as well? I mean, I know I understand the history that, yeah. you know, that um, there are people who have a number of uh, sort of ideologies around why the Jewish people feel this should be their land. I'm not Jewish. So for me to speak to that is not fair. If you're willing to say that the Palestinians are native, but not the Jews are native. I mean, you're not I'm Palestinian either. I'm, because I'm speaking of the people who we know are being brutally oppressed in this moment. That's just the reality. Is it your view that Israel has a right to exist as a nation? I have said many times that I feel everyone has a right to exist. I feel everyone has a right to exist. I just don't feel that anyone has a right to exist at the uh, disposal of another group. In your view, does that include Israelis and Israel? I believe that all people have the right to exist and that Palestinians are also suffering with a great crisis and that there are other Jewish scholars who will sit here and say the same. I'm, I, I'm done talking about this, so okay. you can move. Okay. Our, I just don't our, think it requires scholarly knowledge okay. to be able to say that Israel has a right to exist. I, it's, it, it, again, I believe everyone has the right to exist. We learn a lot about the media over the last couple of weeks that I already knew, and most of you out there probably did know, but they're all down with anti-Semites as long as they're allies. Women's March. We'll see CNN covered the fuck out of that thing. They didn't give a fuck. MSNBC covered. They didn't care. They didn't care what these people say. And I'm going to play. I mean, there's a lot of audio today from both marches. It's going to be a long podcast. But some of the shit that was said, it's fucking unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Especially the Black Lives Matter shit. Oh, my God. But they're fine with that. If you're a lefty, you're anti-Semite, like Linda Sassauer, we're down with the dog pound. We're going to protect you. You're on our team, so it's okay that you say horrible shit. It's okay that you are a horrible person. Does not matter. You can do whatever you want, because you're on our team. But if you're a Christian, oh, fuck to the hells no. So I, I just had to play that. That That is unbelievable. 
being a Christian means you don't get the right to have Secret Service protection. Being a Christian, you should not be allowed to be in the public space. That's basically what they're saying. Because it doesn't fit the progressive religion, which is anything goes. So, let's get into our immigration stuff. I do this every show. Got to do it. Green card holder voted illegally three times in North Carolina. The judge scolds election officials. Heiko Suck George lived legally in the United States for nearly 20 years before she voted in her first election. Coaxed to cast her ballot by an enthusiastic town council member. To register, she presented a green card, social security number, and driver's license. Proof enough for the election officials in Columbus County... She voted in 2008, 2010, and 2016. But on Thursday, George 70 faced charges of illegal voting from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, for which she might have to spend six months in jail. But the story goes on to say it was the election officials that pushed her. In 2016, an investigation by the North Carolina Board of Elections found that out of 4.8 million people who cast ballots, 508 were illegals. And they voted for Democrats. Story doesn't say that, but that's really what happened. Drug smuggler brings 700 pounds of cocaine into the U.S., then flee into Mexico across the border with no physical barrier. Large group of migrant tunnels under Arizona border wall. I've not been part of arresting a group of 376 people. They tunneled under the wall, walked right up the border, and claimed... Asylum. But we don't need a wall. We, we don't need a wall. There's even a soundbite out there. Well, this just proves the wall doesn't work. So let's just let them all in. Seven horrific crimes by illegal immigrants that networks buried. Last month, ABC, CBS, and NBC spent 28 minutes in their evening news broadcast on murder of Newman, California police officer Ronell Singh by an illegal alien. However, the coverage was a rare exception to broadcast television's overall lousy track record for bearing crimes committed by individuals living in the U.S. illegally. Authorities, number one, this is the number one story. Violent crime spree. On December 16, 2018, Gustavo Garcia allegedly gunned down 51-year-old Rocky Jones at Vasilla, California gas station and what authorities describe as part of a violent crime spree. Garcia, whom authorities also believe was responsible for a string of other shootings in the area, was previously ordered deported in 2014, his criminal record dates back to 2002, but judges didn't deport him because they don't work with ICE. Senior citizen dismembered, beheaded. In November, Christian Ponce Martinez reportedly killed, dismembered, and beheaded 76-year-old Georgia resident Robert Page. Ponce Martinez is in the United States illegally through Mexico just three months earlier. According to Clayton County Police Major Craig Hammer, authorities found Page part of Page's body inside a cooler in Ponce Mines' house. Other parts of the body were located under two tarps in the backyard. Another story, two-day multiple homicide. Early in November, Springfield, Missouri residents Steve Marler and Aaron Hampton were allegedly killed at gunpoint by Mexican national Luis Rodrigo Perez. Following day, Perez allegedly shot and killed 21-year-old Sabrina Barr, Star, excuse me, and wounded two others. Perez had previously been detained in New Jersey on domestic violence charges at 17. However, he was later released after the county rejected a detainer request by ICE. 16-year-old stabbed to death on, December, on September 8, 2018. 16-year-old Madison Wells in New Jersey was probably stabbed to death by Byron Cordero Castero. Castero, 20, who came to the U.S. illegally from Guatemala, 
as they say on the TV, allegedly killed the teenager after she broke off a romantic relation. 141 counts of arson back in July. All three networks abruptly stopped covering the Spring Creek Fire in Colorado following the arrest of Jesper Jorgensen, a Danish national who was living in the U.S. on an expired visa. ABC and CBS ran one segment apiece about the specific arrest in connection with the conflagration, neither of which mentioned he was illegal. 100,000 acres and 140 homes were destroyed, but fuck it. He was illegal when our covenant. Bodies dropped in the street in early June 2018. A surveillance camera captured a man dropping the body of 41-year-old Ann Farron on Miami, Florida street corner. Authorities later identified the culprit as Juan Carlos Hernandez Casteros of Honduras, who was in county country illegally. Illegally, Hernandez Casteras was also charged with the murder of Needy Roach, another woman who was found dead on a street corner in March. And healthcare workers suffocates elderly patients. We covered it. Media in. In line with this, and prepping for our last story, because I am just I, I want to just go to the end of the show and just do the story because I'm so fucking pissed. Two separate. Attacks on youth, teenagers, wearing mega hats, one by a rapper. Media ignored this as we head out to segment one, the March for Life. For those who are out there in San Jose or wherever and you say, well, he's a xenophobe. I cover these each week because this is the price of illegal immigration. Not all illegal immigrants are criminals. But there's a shitload of them committing crimes. We live in a country due to the progressive religion of fucking open borders. We don't even track it. Yet every country in the world has borders, immigration policies. And if I went down to Mexico and chopped somebody's motherfucking head off, I would never see the light of day. So, terrible segue, but got a segue into somewhere. Here are the two kids getting beat down just for wearing a fucking hat. And we'll start the Women's March with Representative Crenshaw. Look at these niggas with the fucking hat on. Let me see your hat. Let me see your hat. You and you is bitches. Oh, God, you niggas can get knocked the fuck out right now. Look at your fucking hat, nigga. You's retarded. Fucking retarded. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Look at the ass. Hey, brother. Oh, sorry, ass. Hey, fucking crackers, nigga. Y'all ass get beat the fuck. Hey, man. I don't see no black person Why are you being mean? Get out, nigga! Why are you raising? Oh, 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 o
Everybody, we're at the uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C. And I'm going to say hi to the crowd here. We're here because we value life and we understand how important it is for our country. Hey, everybody, say hello. This is an awesome crowd. So happy to be here with all you guys. In addition, I put some crowd videos from it. It was huge. Um, to start off, some tweets. Leela Rose, huge crowd at March for Life, largest annual human rights demonstration, thousand rallying every year to defend the vulnerable, most young people from all over the nation. Where's the coverage? The persistence. Mom and I are heading to March for Life today. Thank you, Mom, for choosing life, is the picture that he put up. Charlie Kirk, today is the March for Life. To all my friends, they're there. Keep up the fight, no matter how you view abortion. There is no argument as to why we give $500 million a year in taxpayer money to Planned Parenthood, abortion is not health care. March on. True. Mega Michelle, this is how conservatives march for a cause. No ridiculous costumes, no signs littered with filthy language, no screams of hate or calls for violence. Just a peaceful crowd providing a voice for those who have none. I believe our last story is directly because of this. More people were here. Report is 100,000 people turned out. The USA Today said more than 1,000. CNN and MSDNC completely ignored it. Just completely ignored it. But there was well more than the 10,000 that showed up to Washington, D.C. Women's March. They covered that wall to wall. Media covers one pro-abortion women's march more than six March for Life events combined. Each January, pro-life marchers gather to serve as a voice for voiceless, and this year the network should follow suit by broadcasting their voices. On Friday, tens of thousands, blah, 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 blah. This year, the march theme, you know, unique for day one, pro-life is pro-science, stresses that science supports the pro-life movement from revealing unique DNA at fertilization to showing that an unborn baby's heart beats us at six weeks. The 2019, 2019 march stands out because of the congressional speakers. Steve Daines, Dan Lipinski, a Democrat, Chris Smith, and Katrina Jackson, a Democrat, went. <clears throat> the right to life is a nonpartisan issue, and regardless of politics, we should all unite for life and stand against abortion, the greatest human rights abuse of our time, announced Gene Mancini, the march organizer. This breaks down what it's like. The two events have much in common, attracting large crowds while occurring annually in Washington. But there's one thing they don't share, media coverage. Even with a live address from President Trump via satellite at the 2018 march, ABC, CBS, and NBC spent just three minutes and 46 seconds on the 45th annual March for Life. In comparison, they dedicated 25 minutes, 24 seconds to the second Women's March. A year before that, 2017, the network gave considerably more time to pro-life 
to the pro-life 21 minutes, 52 seconds to the event where both Vice President Pence and White House Special Counsel Kellyanne Conway spoke. While newly elected Trump didn't attend, he tweeted support and called on the press in an ABC interview for coverage. Still in comparison, the network offered one hour, 15 minutes, and 18 seconds, 3.4 times more to the Women's March. In 2016, the network gave a mere 35 seconds, 22 seconds following the march, 13 seconds before, this, the year before, only CBS covered the march, sparing just 15 seconds. The network squeezed in 46 seconds for 2014. Here's the breakdown in time. 2013, March for Life. These are all March for Life. 17 seconds. 14, 46. 2015, 15 seconds. 2016, 35 seconds. 2017, 21 minutes and 52 seconds. Best year ever. 2018, 3 minutes and 46 seconds. 27 minutes and 31 seconds. That is for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6 years of March for Life. For the Women's March, 2017, 1 hour, 15 minutes and 18 seconds. 2018, 25 minutes, 24 seconds. That's 1 hour, 40 minutes and 42 seconds just for 2 years. This year, other stories are 15 times more coverage. Let me just get to what it was. Um, Where is it? They gave it 1 minute and 35 seconds this year. That's it. Between the three networks. But the way it's covered... We'll see in a second. Here's a soundbite of just the media bias on the March for Life. While thousands spent the day peacefully protesting the right to life, the mainstream media view it this way. Watch. The anti-abortion move, anti-abortion movement getting a big boost of support from the White House. These anti-abortion activists are feeling an extra sense of momentum and energy. As you well know, uh, pro-abortion, um, pro-abortion rights groups are energized, too. All right, well, here to react, Penny Nance. She's the CEO of Concerned Women for America and was at the March for Life uh, yesterday. Penny, thanks for being here this morning. I want to get to the media in a moment, but first, just your response to the march yesterday. You had Vice President Mike Pence there. The first time, by the way, uh, someone at that level has gone out to the march. Henry and I were talking in the break, and he said, you know, what a move that is, because in the past you've had leaders of our country just maybe send an email or congratulate them, but he physically went to this march, and you had Mr. President Trump tweeting about about it, congratulating them. I mean, that takes guts on something that is so controversial. Yes, yes it was historic. Yes, yeah, as compared to last week's march, uh, the uh, tantrum from the left, the women's march, if you'd been there yesterday and if they'd covered it, you know, for hours like they did the other march, what you would have seen was Americans from across the country, mostly millennials, people of all different races and different faiths coming together in unity and love and advocating for life. And yes, it was historic. We were so happy to see Kelly and Conway come and people were just thrilled. They were chanting her name and excited to have her there. And by the way, this is not the first march for Mike Pence or Kelly and Conway. This march has been going on for 44 years and I have been there with them in the past. This is the first time they've been there in their official capacities. And so these are people who we know and we love and then of course president vice president pence was it was historic not even reagan came to the march for life but vice president pence came in person yeah. and talked
talked about the fact that life is winning, and it's winning not just through um, policy, and by the way, we are going to win in policy, but it wins through adoption and through volunteers and faith-based organizations caring for women and children and for quiet conversations among people of faith and people who love each other on college campuses and in and, and mothers and, their, and grandmothers and young women. And it was just very life-affirming and, and kind and loving. And it was a beautiful march as opposed to what you saw last week. But Penny, you wouldn't know that if you actually turned on the news. Like last weekend, no. it was covered wall-to-wall. I mean, if you turned on the news yesterday, you could barely see that this was going on. What do you make of that, just the way that it has been covered through the media compared to last Saturday? Well, two things. Number one, if you had watched the march this week, our march, you would not have seen celebrities spouting filthy words and dirty signs and people dressed up in women's genitalia. You would see happy, smiling faces and families and children. So maybe that's not as exciting. I don't hmm. know. Madonna didn't swear on our stage. Uh, we had people of faith praying. Uh, but the other thing is, you've got, you cannot set aside. It is true. I appreciate the fact that Fox covered this march and has over the years. But there definitely is a discrepancy in the mainstream media in the way they cover the left and the way they cover conservative issues and, and, and conservative values. And I challenged another network last week. I said, I'll meet you back here. I want to see the same kind of coverage and respect given to the fact that these are women coming out advocating for women. Pro-life is pro-woman. And so, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Well, it's amazing how obvious this bias has become in the media today. Yes. Penny Nance, thanks for being with us this morning. So this year was 15 times more coverage for the March for Life, or excuse me, Women's March, than the March for Life. In paper, it reads just like that soundbite. Anti-abortion activists play defense in Congress while waiting for Supreme Court decision. This is from the USA Today. Nothing the USA Today put out was worth uh, anything. A multitude of anti-abortion activists on National Mall on Friday for the annual March for Life are confronting a different Washington from last visit. The crowd cheered last year, blah, 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 blah. But now the Supreme Court, and yeah, yeah, they're playing defense. This article went up the day of this decision. Washington Examiner, those videos of Planned Parenthood dealing in baby parts weren't deceptively edited. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has issued a ruling that the allows Texas to strip Planned Parenthood of Medicaid funding. The motion, which is tied to the Texas Health and Human Services Commission, called to have Planned Parenthood removed as a qualified Medicaid provider. Following the release of several damning undercover video videos in 2015, it took just three years to get it to happen. Because they played what the media played, that it was deceptively edited. But a circuit court said, no, it's not. The court noted that an independent forensic firm review of the undercover footage found that the video was authentic and not deceptively edited. This directly refutes Planned Parenthood's own false claim. Well, isn't that a coincidence? Jerry Delini, hey, Vox.com, here's an example of you falsely claiming the video for Center for Medical Progress was exposed, Planned Parenthood were deceptively edited. 
I thought I saw all the Planned Parenthood footage. Turns out the tapes were edited. He directly similar tweets at Salon, New York Times, NBC, blah, blah, blah. But here's a list of all the people, just like the Mueller report, just like the Catholic kids at the end of the podcast, doesn't fit our narrative, we're not going to research it, we're just going to go with our liberal ally, Planned Parenthood's lie. ACLU, FAIR, Think Progress, Arkansas Times, Baltimore Sun, BuzzFeed, CNN, anybody surprised? The real story behind those Planned Parenthood edited videos, that was their headline. Columbia Journalism, FactCheck.org, The Hill, Huffington Post, Mother Jones, The Nation, The New Yorker, The New York Times, NPR, Politico, Salon, Slate, Vice, Vox, WAPO, Videos Deceptively Edited, Planned Parenthood Tells Congress. USA Today, The Great Deception Behind the Anti-Planned Parenthood Videos. What was WAPO's article for this March? The March for Life says it's pro-science despite medical consensus favoring abortion access. In the article, uh, no, nah, that's not science rebuttal and backed it up with more of the same tired pro-choice arguments. Zazmer employed the opinion of many pro-abort scientists and OBGYNs to refute the claim of offered by Ben Shapiro, who's headlined this year's march, and various other pro-life leaders like Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students of Life for America. Shapiro has insisted there is a perfectly rational, non-religious way of discerning that abortion is wrong. He claims, when I speak about abortion, I don't talk in terms of religion. I think I might make a sp- spiritual appeal at the end. I always speak in terms of logic and science. I've never cited the Bible. Shapiro also adds, there's no science on the pro-abort side. I don't think they make a scientific argument, he said. I think they make emotional appeals. He asserted that the basic scientific definition of human begins at conception. But for WAPO, the authority of medical professionals who don't have a working definition when life begins is more credible. The author... Quotes Sarah Horvath of the American College of OBGYNs, because I can never say obstetricians, I can't say that word, who claims that science isn't really designed to answer questions about the exact beginning of life or the moral assassinations of these sort of things. Science is really more designed to teach us of how things work, and then we can allow people to make their own decisions about what means of them. Of course, she had that science tells us that abortion is safe. Science tells us that abortion is health care. They also say there's no God because they have proven it's no God. But I guess you, you can't prove when life starts. Momo, a zygote is a human being. An embryo is a human being. A fetus is a human being. Sperm and eggs are not human beings. A miscarriage is not an intentionally induced abortion. This is for all you science-challenged people. They got attacked. Attacked. New York Times, again, diminishes annual March of Life. 330 words on March in quiet capital. Yeah. Anti-abortion demonstrators descended on the National Mall in Washington on Friday for an annual rally, a day after Republicans in the Senate were slowed in their effort to advance a ban on federal abortion funds. Organizers had pledged to go on with the event called the March for Life in Capitol full of shuttered federal agencies because of a partial shutdown. Just a quiet event. 
So Ben Shapiro did his podcast from there. Festivities for 29 March for Life kicked off Friday with a live broadcast of the Ben Shapiro Show, which is a popular conservative commentator devoted to an overview of the case against abortion and common pro-choice arguments. After taking the stage to enthusiastic cheers, Shapiro noted this is the first time both at the march and doing a full hour themed around a specific issue, then quoted several pro-abortion statements from former President Barack Obama, including God bless Planned Parenthood. I know the March for Life has gotten a lot of flack for allowing me to broadcast from a stage because I'm a political partisan, because I don't hide the facts that I'm conservative. But the fact is that the pro-life position does not have to be partisan issue. The only reason that so many folks believe it to be a partisan issue is because, unfortunately, one party in this country has decided to embrace the full-on abortion till point of birth position. Thank you. It's the exact same I I say. Shapiro went on to sign a Thursday Washington Post piece quoting Obama faith outreach strategy, Michael Weir, who said involving Shapiro and President Donald Trump doesn't necessarily suggest that you're too focused on broadening the tent. Democrats generally feel marginalized at the March for Life. Oh, really? Your march doesn't allow people to come who aren't pro-abortion till toddler. The conservative talker noted that the March for Life becomes pro-life Democrats such as Dan Lipinski and that it wasn't pro-lifers fault most Democrats have taken their current position and abandoned their former stance of safe, legal, and rare. Shapiro noted the mainstream press coverage of the march likely wouldn't admit that the pro-life position was based on sheer, unadulterated science of human life, preferring to frame it as simply a theological stance. He went on to explain fetal development with visual aids and spent the bulk of his program dismantling common pro-abortion talking points. The viability argument that pre-born babies don't have right to life if they can't live on their own obviously doesn't hold, he said, because infants and many elders are dependent on others as well. As for the notion that difficulty of parenting justifies abortion, Shapiro noted that raising children was difficult because it's the most important thing we do. There's nothing moral about the idea that you think you'll be a bad parent so you get to kill the child! Shapiro also took aim at the body autonomy argument from an abortion which likens pregnancy to an adult who's been connected to a violinist against his will as a form of life support. Shapiro pointed out that in the hypothetical, the person is not responsible for the violinist's plight, whereas a pregnant woman directly caused the baby to be dependent on her body. Even in cases of rape where the woman is just is not responsible, Shapiro added that abortion is not just pulling a plug, but more akin to killing the violinist with an axe. Further, he noted that what about rape cases was not a good faith argument for most abortion defenders because even if pro-lifers agreed to make an exception, their opponents would then agree to ban non-rape abortions. Other pro-abortion arguments debunked by Shapiro included the notion that a woman's health should automatically justify killing a child, that women die without abortions. Shapiro reviewed the, the truth behind the Savita Hapanover case in Ireland and that legalizing abortion reduces crime rates. Shapiro predicted the media would pretend he didn't make any of these secular arguments for life, but went on to add that pro-lifers should also acknowledge there is a religious proposition at the root of the issue, the innate value of human life. Yeah. He started with basically the key line, we stand between America and the darkness. This is one of the greatest speeches I've heard on pro-life. And all the media, the pro-aborts, 
they ran with Hitler. O'clock when he did his very famous podcast. Please welcome to the stage someone who really doesn't need an introduction, one of the most famous people in the country, Ben Shapiro. What an amazing event. What an amazing showing for life. Thank you all for being here. America's story is an incredible story. It's the story of a shining ideal pursued over the centuries, extended to the full range and scope of humanity. America was founded on the promise of God-given rights, chief among them the rights to life and liberty. Now, while America may have imperfectly, imperfectly fulfilled that promise, we always move forward toward the perfection of that promise. Over time, those unjustly omitted from the founding bargain were admitted and embraced. The American family grew. Only one group was left behind. That group had once been the most prized possession of a great and moral people, its children. The souls entrusted to us by the Creator, given to us with care and love. We built the country for our children. We built our lives for our children. And then something happened. We, as a country, decided to erase them. We decided that the present was more important than the future. We decided that convenience was more important than basic decency. We decided that we could safely blot out millions of souls who could not protect themselves, still forever, voices that could not speak. We dehumanized the most human, the most innocent among us. We lied to ourselves. And then we built walls around that lie. We lied about the science. We falsified anti-scientific arguments about the origin of life. We pretended that human beings were not actually human beings. We pretended that human beings with DNA different from their fathers and their mothers, human beings producing their own red blood cells by 12 weeks, their own fingerprints by week eight, their own developing eyes, legs, and hands by week five, their own forming nervous systems by week three. We pretended that these were not human beings, human lives at all, but disposable balls of meat. We fought to avoid looking directly at the ugly truth of what we had done. We created euphemisms, termination of pregnancy, abortion, choice. What we were really engaging in was the mass killing of the unborn, of course. Millions of children who would never be held, who would never open their eyes, who would never see the sun rise, who would never become parents and then grandparents. The dismemberment of babies in the womb, the torture of tiny bodies. And we told ourselves that we were virtuous for our lie. We reversed good and evil. We told ourselves that the killing had to continue because if it didn't, we'd be disadvantaging women or raising crime rates or imposing economic hardship. We told young women that abortion wasn't merely a choice. It was a valuable, worthwhile choice. We told them to shout their abortion, to be proud of participating in the killing of the unborn. We excised those who stood for life. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York said just a few years ago that those who are right to life, quote, have no place in the state of New York. Just this week, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that pro-lifers were not in line with, quote, where we are as a society. Well, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe we today here are not in line with society. We do live in a time when the Democratic Party has embraced abortion as a sacrament. And by the way, a time when many in the Republican Party spent years pledging to defund Planned Parenthood and then didn't do it when they were given the power to do so. 
We live in a time when pro-life nations around the world are loosening their own restrictions on the killing of the unborn. So perhaps we are out of line with the rest of society, to which I say, good. So were the abolitionists. So were the civil rights marchers. So were the martyrs in Rome and the Jews in Egypt. Righteousness doesn't have to be popular. It just has to be righteous. And so we march. We march for those who can't. The media will ignore us because they always do. They'll cover other marches, you know, the five people who show up tomorrow. They'll cover the marches they prefer politically. They bet that the tens of thousands of us who brave the cold every year to stand here with the souls of the future America will be forgotten. We will not be forgotten. Our children slaughtered over the decades, remember, they look at us from above and they know that they meant something, that they do mean something so long as we keep them in our minds and in our hearts. Our children standing here with us, the ones who are here today, they will remember too. They will remember and they will march until they no longer have to march. Our children yet unborn will remember and they will thank us in their prayers. And most of all, God, the God who built and preserves nations, who brings life and maintains it, who stands with those who suffer most at the hands of evil, he will remember us too. He will remember America and he will bless her. God will bless us because we are the guardians of his most precious creations. We stand between America and the darkness and we will march until that darkness is banished forever and all of our children can stand together in the sunlight. Thank you so much. amazing did you hear it no i didn't either because it was on his podcast and on the podcast he stated that pro-lifers wouldn't go back in time and kill baby hitler because baby hitler was a baby he was using a counter argument that people say ben shapiro loses podcast sponsor after march for life Conservative commentator and radio host Ben Shapiro reportedly lost an advertiser Friday after reading ads during his speech at the annual March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. Quip Toothbrushes said it will no longer advertise on any of Shapiro's programming, saying it disagreed with him having its ad read at the anti-abortion rally. Our mission is to make good oral health more accessible to everyone, and podcast advertising is one way we're able to do this. However... Following one of our ads being read in a venue we did not endorse, we have chosen to discontinue our advertising relationship with this show. We are also taking steps to ensure that all our advertising partners are aligned with our oral health mission and values. What does abortion have to do with oral health? They just didn't like that he went to a pro-life march. That he read an ad in his podcast and he talked about baby Hitler Dan Lipinski every life is sacred and needs to be protected no one is expendable and we need to be protected 
He's been ostracized from his party over his abortion views and faced a difficult primary challenge at 16. He previously, little-known challenger, received unprecedented endorsements from everybody, including a shit ton of money from Planned Parenthood, because guess what? He doesn't believe they should be funded. Then the Archbishop came on, and I can't believe this didn't piss off the media and we didn't hear about it, but I didn't. He destroys Roe v. Wade. I've come to this vigil mass many years, and I always wondered what the view was like from here. I'm just going to enjoy this for a moment. I know that many have worked hard on the mosaics here in this beautiful basilica, but the most beautiful mosaic tonight we see in these pews. And I also want to acknowledge and thank for their presence all of our consecrated religious women with us tonight. Thank you for your vocations and being like the women of the Gospels, the heralds, of the risen Lord for all of us. When I was a priest in St. Louis at one of the parishes I served, there was a woman who used to come to daily mass with her dog. And some of the other parishioners told me, Father, it's a very good dog. It's a Catholic dog. <laughs> so the, the dog does everything we do. When we stand, the dog stands. When we sit down, the dog sits down. When we kneel, the dog even kneels. And when the homilies preach, the dog sleeps. (laughs) So I've often felt if I can bring one to such serenity that they can sleep in a hard pew, I've accomplished something. (laughs) We have a lot to cover tonight from our readings from creation to Calvary. But I'd ask you first, uh, in a crowd this size and with our TV audience, there are many tonight whose lives have been personally impacted by abortion, and that you would intercede tonight that my words, and not just my words, but our witness, all of our witness during these days of the March for Life, might be used by the Lord in some way to preserve to protect others from knowing the pain that you know too well. Tonight we gather to commemorate the 46th anniversary of the tragic twin Supreme Court decisions, Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, that legalized abortion essentially for any reason through all nine months of pregnancy. As a result, Since 1973, there have been 61 million innocent American children killed in the wombs of their mothers. The Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton cases were based on deception. The late Norma McCorvey, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, lied about being gang-raped. And after her pro-life conversion, Norma acknowledged that she was deceived by her attorneys about the reality of abortion. For the last 20 years of her life, Norma McCorvey labored tirelessly to overturn Roe v. Wade. 
The late Sandra Cano, the Jane Doe of the Doe v. Bolton decision, never wanted an abortion. Her lawyers, whom she had engaged to insist with regaining custody of her children, used her difficult circumstances to advance their own ideological goal to legalize abortion. She actually fled the state of Georgia when she feared that her lawyers and family members intended to pressure her to actually have an abortion. The late Dr. Bernard Nathanson, one of the founders of NARAL, originally the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws, and now the National Abortion and Reproductive Rights Action League, admitted to inventing statistics about the numbers of the illegal abortions. The claim of the Supreme Court that the United States Constitution contains a right to abortion, frankly, is absurd. The late Justice Byron White, in his dissent from Roe and Doe decisions, characterized them as an exercise in raw judicial power. The late Justin Antonin Scalia, in his dissent on plan, in Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, said that he could say with certainty that abortion is not protected by the Constitution because, quote, of two simple facts. First, the Constitution says nothing about it. And secondly, the longstanding traditions of American society have permitted it to be legally prescribed, unquote. We assemble in 2019 with some new hope that the recent changes in the membership of the Supreme Court may result in a re-examination and an admission by the court of its tragic error 46 years ago. We pray that state legislators and the people of this country will again have the ability to protect the lives of unborn children. At the same time, we're sobered by the ferocity and the extremism of the proponents of legalized abortion as evidence in the recent confirmation process to fill a Supreme Court vacancy. Recently, two members of the Senate Judiciary Committee questioned the suitability of a judicial nominee because of his membership in an extremist organization, the Knights of Columbus. Why are the Knights of Columbus labeled extremists? Because they embrace and support Catholic teaching on the sanctity of life and marriage. Supreme Knight Carl Anderson, he's the first living person I've quoted tonight, <laughs> and is with us in a January 1st letter to his brother Knights, recounted the vast amount of charitable and humanitarian work that the Order does in our own country and throughout the world. Then he noted, this same love also motivates us to stand with the church on the important issues of life and marriage, precisely because the church's teaching reflects and is based on that love. We stand with our church because we believe that what our faith teaches is consistent with reason, is timeless, and transcends the, the changing sentiments of any particular time or place." Unquote. One of the great goods that our Lord has drawn forth from the terrible tragedy of legalized abortion has been to unite in common cause 
Christians of different denominations and members of other faith traditions who share a common concern for the defense of the sacredness of all human life. I am particularly grateful, again, for the presence tonight of the leaders of the Orthodox Church who honor us by joining us in prayer. The Orthodox Church has been a strong and consistent advocate for the sanctity of life. And I personally treasure the friendships that have been forged with evangelicals, Baptists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Anglicans, and many non-denominational Christians through my involvement with the pro-life movement. I believe that Jesus takes delight in seeing his priestly prayer in the gospel in part being fulfilled. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. We are grateful for all the non-Catholics with us tonight who have come to join us in prayer, and we look forward tomorrow to marching with many, many other brothers and sisters in Christ and all those who honor God's sovereignty over human life. Sometimes our opponents criticize pro-lifers for only caring about the unborn. While in such a broad-based movement, there are obviously some exceptions. In my experience of the pro-life community, this simply is not true. Millions of pro-life individuals volunteer and financially support the thousands of birthrights, pro-life pregnancy care centers, pregnancy resource centers that provide medical, financial, and moral support to parents who often in the midst of very difficult circumstances choose life for their child. These centers of love are committed to accompanying parents long after the birth of their child. They are committed not only to the survival of the baby, but to empower mothers and fathers to thrive for a lifetime. The pro-life ethic challenges us to care about the sacredness of every human being throughout the life spectrum. We're called always and everywhere to promote the dignity of the human person. Protecting the life of unborn children is the preeminent human rights issue of our time not only because of the sheer magnitude of the numbers, but because abortion attacks the sanctuary of life, the family. Abortion advocates pit the welfare of the mother against the life of her child. Every abortion not only destroys the life of an innocent child, but it wounds and scars mothers and fathers who must live with the harsh reality that they've hired someone to destroy their son or daughter. In reality, the welfare of parents and their children are always intimately linked. We are concerned about the life and dignity of the human person wherever it is threatened or diminished. We care about those harmed by economic poverty, by racism, by religious intolerance. We care about the plight of the refugee fleeing persecution and the immigrant seeking a better life for his or her family of victims of violent crimes as well as those in prison, of those with intellectual or physical disabilities and the frail elderly, 
of violence and disrespect against those in law enforcement, as well as victims of police brutality. Anyone whose life is threatened, anyone whose human dignity is disrespected, have a claim on our hearts. For all Catholics, the last several months have been profoundly difficult. We've been devastated by the scandal of sexual misconduct by clergy and of past instances of the failure of bishops to respond with compassion to victims of abuse and to protect adequately the members of their flock. The abuse of children or minors upends the pro-life ethic because it is a grave injustice and an egregious offense against the dignity of the human person. Moreover, the failure to respond effectively to the abuse crisis undermines every other ministry of the Church. The theme for this year's March for Life, unique from day one, pro-life, is pro-science, seeks to dispel the notion that advocacy for the protection of the life within the womb is somehow at odds with modern scientific knowledge. Abortion advocates often seek to portray opposition to abortion as an imposition of religious belief. While our Christian faith definitely speaks to the sanctity of life as the biblical readings for tonight's Mass illustrate, one does not need religious revelation to know the killing of innocent human life is inhumane. The advances of scientific knowledge and technology over the past 100 years have confirmed that a unique human life begins at fertilization. The unborn child beginning as a one-celled zygote and throughout its embryonic and fetal stages of development possesses DNA, a genetic code distinct from his or her parents. Ultrasound technology has given us a window into the womb, allowing us to witness the miraculous unfolding of the development of a new and unique human life. Dr. Bernard Nathanson, himself an abortionist who acknowledged being responsible for more than 60,000 abortions, became pro-life not because of theology or any religious sentiment, but from his own study of the scientific advancements in embryology and fetology. While it is true Dr. Nathanson eventually became Catholic, was long after he had become a pro-life advocate because of science. And really, I think it takes much more faith to be an atheist than a Christian. I mean, think about it. An atheist has to believe that the cosmos the universe, the solar system, the complex beauty of the natural world, the miracle of the human body, all of this just happened, <laughs> just happened by chance against all odds. There is a reason that the scientific method developed in a Christian culture. There is a reason that the vast majority of scientists until very recent times were devout believers. Unless you believe that there's a predictability in the universe, science really makes no sense. This predictability within nature reveals an amazingly intricate design throughout the cosmos down to the tiniest molecule. And this design has the fingerprints of the designer, God. 
In the very first chapter of the Bible, which we heard proclaimed beautifully tonight, God reveals some important theological truths. First, without God, there's chaos. Second, all creation is good. Third, many of the wonders people worshiped as divinities, the sun or moon or certain living creatures, are not gods, but they are creations of the one true God. Most significantly, the first chapter of the Bible asserts that human beings are the masterpiece of all creation. Men and women are uniquely made in the divine image. Psalm 139 reminded us how God knit us together in our mother's womb <coughs> and that we are fearfully, wonderfully made. Human beings alone amongst all of the crea all creation are given the dignity and the ability to reflect, to understand, to ponder, and most importantly, the freedom, the true freedom, to choose the good and the noble, the freedom to choose to do God's will. The choice by our first parents to deny God's lordship, to refuse to do his will, to seek to be their own gods, had disastrous results. It brought back the original chaos, a moral chaos. You want a glimpse of this moral chaos? Just read the newspaper or watch cable news or observe the nihilism present in much of our art, music, literature, and films. And if you want to view a powerful illustration of the tragic consequences of this moral chaos, watch the movie Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. What a blessing our Christian faith. We not only believe in a God who created the cosmos and made us in his divine image, but we believe in a God who pursued us even after we rebelled and attempted to push him out of what we thought was our world. We believe in a God who loved us so much that he became flesh, he became a human being. Why? So that, we could, so that he could redeem us and make it possible for us to share in his divine and eternal life. We believe in a God who not only created us in his image, but a God who died for us so that we might have eternal life in him. If you want to know the value God places on every human life, just contemplate the image of the crucified Lord. Tonight, we heard proclaimed a very small portion of St. Luke's passion narrative. Jesus entered fully into our human condition. Our Lord endured the greatest injustice in human history as a result of our sin. On Calvary, our Lord does not lash out and curse those who have accused him falsely and plotted his cruel execution. Instead, Jesus begs the Father to forgive the soldiers who nailed him to the cross. We read in the Gospel tonight about Christianity's first deathbed conversion. One of the prisoners crucified with our Lord joins the crowd in mocking Jesus. The other, sometimes called the good thief or dismiss, makes a most beautiful profession of faith. The good thief recognized in the brutally beaten and apparently defeated Jesus, the Lord of life. Dismas makes 
a humble but faith-filled request. Remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus canonizes them on the spot, proclaiming, this day you will be with me in paradise. The gospel is all about mercy. The Lord's mission is all about mercy. And we, his disciples, must also be about mercy. Our pro-life ministry is about mercy. Mercy for the innocent and defenseless child in the womb. Mercy for the frightened and overwhelmed mothers in the midst of a difficult pregnancy. Mercy for the post-abortive mothers or fathers who deeply regret authorizing the killing of their own child. Mercy for the abortion advocates who verbally attack us and label us extremists. Mercy for those who wish to disqualify from public office members of the Knights of Columbus or anyone else in whom the dogma lives loudly. Mercy for abortion clinic workers, volunteers, and yes, even for the abortionist. Nearly every diocese in the country has a post-abortion healing ministry, most often called Project Rachel, to bring hope and healing to all those wounded by, a, by abortion, the mothers, the fathers, and anyone involved in advocating, assisting, or performing an abortion. God's mercy is endless, for all are made in the divine image and are of such inestimable worth that God died for each of us. Ours is a movement that is all about love and mercy. We give thanks for amazing Paul-like conversions of abortion advocates who have become powerful pro-life apologists. As we pray through this night and we march tomorrow, let us pray that we can be great and effective witnesses for life, witnesses for love, witnesses for mercy. If you see one movie this year, see the movie Unplanned. I warn you, Unplanned is graphic, it's painful, and at the same time, inspiring. The movie depicts the true story of the prayers and compassion of pro-life sidewalk counselors being the human instruments that God used in bringing a former Planned Parenthood clinic director, former employee of the year, Abby Johnson, out of the abortion clinic into the offices of 40 Days for Life. Today, Abby Johnson is devoting her talent and energy to helping others make that journey from the horror of assisting with the killing of the innocent to the joy and peace of God's mercy and grace. Pray that through God's grace, there will be many more Norma McCarvey's, Bernard Nathanson's, Beverly McMillan's, Carol Everett's, Ramona Trevino's, Abby Johnson's, and the list could go on, who will come to know that they are made in the divine image and that they are such worth that Jesus died for them. May our advocacy awaken the hearts of others to know Jesus' desires for them, to experience abundant life in this world, and to share with him eternal life in paradise. Let us come forward in a few moments filled with faith and awe to receive the bread of life, who is the Lord of life. 
And let us give thanks for the great dignity God has given to us to be made in his image. And even more, to be his living temples, his living tabernacles in the world. Let us receive with great joy, devotion, and confidence this God who has pursued us and died for us. And let us ask the Lord of life to help us to be his witnesses of merciful love in the world today. Praise be Jesus Christ, the Lord of life forever and ever. On that subject, Facebook refuses ads for Roe v. Wade. I could read you about a thousand articles. Just how they're freaking out about this movie because it shows it totally different than what the media has been saying forever. The real reason why they pushed for it. Who pushed for it? I could read you hundreds of articles. What do you do when your doctor coldly asks whether you should terminate your child? I carried my baby to term even though my doctor told me to abort it. But I won't. I'll just play a great soundbite from Abby Johnson to close out the March for Life. That this is not carried in our country. That our morals are so screwed that fucking killing a baby is cool. And as Ben Shapiro so eloquently said better than I do every day, under fucking made-up words, they have taken everything from morning after pill and called it an emergency contraceptive kit to a woman's right to choose. As my wife says, it's a woman's right to murder. But Abby Johnson, they have a hard time disproving this lady because she was in the lion's den. She was part of Planned Parenthood. She knows it's just a fucking car salesman for death. It's all about money, and they make a lot of it. And they could give a fuck about women's health. They care about killing babies because that's how they make their Benjamins. So we'll listen to her, close this segment out, go to a music break. More Julie London. Yeah, I got a bunch of albums in, so I recorded a couple. And then we'll go straight in to the Women's March, which is just a hot fucking mess of anti-American bullshit that CNN just felt needed to be broadcast over saving babies. All right, most of you know that my goal for the pro-life movement is to facilitate conversion. My own life is a story of conversion. I was once a Planned Parenthood director. I was the person who was pushing women, manipulating them, exploiting them, coercing them into having abortions. I believe that abortion was always the right decision for an unplanned pregnancy. But after seeing a 13-week-old baby fight and struggle for his life in the womb, during an abortion procedure, my life was changed. After leaving our country's largest abortion provider, I founded a ministry called And Then There Were None. Our goal is, our goal is to love abortion clinic workers out of the abortion industry and into a place of healing. I'm honored to announce that our ministry has helped to facilitate the miraculous conversion of almost 500 abortion workers. We 
see conversions taking place all the time, people choosing life over death. And our goal in this movement must be transformation. The battle will not be won on social media. It won't be won through heated arguments. Faith and science proves our point and shows that we are on the winning side. In scripture it says, and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. On March 29th, the truth about abortion is coming to the big screen in theaters across the country in my upcoming film, Unplanned. Social media has already been working overtime to block out advertisement of this film, but we will not let censorship and darkness win. So put March 29th on your calendars. It is time to show this country, our government, and our world that we are pro-life and that life is winning. Let us all share the truth and set people free. Let's work to make abortion unthinkable in our nation. Thank you so much. You need no 
Back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you. In 2017, the day after Donald Trump took office, women swarmed the streets. They were marching against the new president, but they were also marching for women. People from all over the world here today, um, it makes me a little emotional, <laughs> um, but I know that I'm not alone. And none of us are alone, and we can do so much together. But just days after the 2018 midterm elections, the original founder of the Women's March called for the four women who have been most closely identified with the march to step down. This was after accusations of financial mismanagement, anti-Semitism, and a failure to include women of all backgrounds. A lot of women in the community are hurt. The organizers have strongly denied the allegations, saying the march exists to fight bigotry and discrimination in all their forms. However, they also said they could have been more clear in helping the public understand their positions. The goal of the Women's March was to build what organizers called an intersectional women's movement, embracing an unapologetically progressive philosophy working with local groups and activists surrounding issues like immigration, abortion rights, criminal justice reform, racism, sexuality, and gender identity. But leaders of the Women's March, the group formed by some of the organizers of the 2017 march, 
have themselves become the center of controversy because of their history with the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, who has made bigoted and anti-Semitic comments for much of his career. Just because you go into a space with someone does not mean that you agree with everything that they say. But let me push back a little bit. Why call him the greatest of all time? I didn't call him the greatest of all time because of his rhetoric. I called him the greatest of all time because of what he's done in black communities. The Women's March has repeatedly said that Farrakhan's principles are not aligned with the group's principles. Some anti-abortion activists and conservative women say they feel unwelcome at the event. We're talking about all women being invited to that march. I'm pro-life. We were not invited. We were, we were not allowed at that march right there. I'm a conservative woman. I also represent, you're talking about women, you're talking about all women, including Jewish women as well, and conservative women. We welcome pro-life women. We welcome conservative women to the Women's March. The Women's March is open to I, all. As the Women's March looks to its third year under Trump, the Democratic National Committee and Emily's List are not official sponsors of this year's march in D.C. And while the National Council of Jewish Women is also no longer an official sponsor, they put out a statement emphasizing the importance of continuing communications between groups dedicated to liberal causes. They keep the door open for the future of the Women's March, saying what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Justice is not a concept we read about in a book. Justice is about the water we drink. Justice is about the air we breathe. Justice about, is about how easy it is to vote. Justice is about how much ladies get paid. Justice is about if we can stay with our children after we have them for a just amount of time, mothers, fathers, and all parents. Justice is about making sure that being polite is not the same thing as being quiet. In fact, oftentimes the most righteous thing you can do is shake the table. Last year we took the power to the polls and this year we're taking power to the policy. Let us remember that a fight means no person left behind. So when people want to stop talking about the issues that black women face, when people want to stop talking about the issues that trans women or immigrant women face, we got to ask them, why does that make you so uncomfortable? Because now, this is the time we're going to address poverty. This is the time we're going to address Flint. This is the time we're going to talk about Baltimore and the Bronx and wildfires and Puerto Rico. Because this is not just about identity. This is about justice. And this is about the America that we are going to bring into this world. Go. The most inspiring moment of my political life happened. The women's movement was reborn. The first women's march didn't look like any other women's movement that we've seen before. It was people of all races, religions, gender identities, socioeconomic backgrounds, and ages in hundreds of cities all across America. Now is our time to reclaim 
our power. Now is our time to raise our voices. Now is our time to fight for our beliefs. Now is our time to get off the sidelines. Our democracy only works when regular people like every one of you stands up, demands it, and fights for it. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be afraid of taking on the powerful systems that control everything and do everything they can to preserve that power. It will take everything we have. It will take everything that each one of us has to defeat it. Only light can drive out darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That is CNN glossing over their anti-Semitism and AOC and Gilbrandt spokes. I guess the DNC didn't boycott. AOC was in New York. Gillibrand was in Iowa. There were 10,000 people there, which is not a whole lot. They kicked off in front of Trump International Tower. The front end of the March 29th stops in front of the tower. Donald Trump has got to go. Now people are flipping it off. Didn't get it on video, but one of the marchers screamed, and fuck you for protecting this building, the D.C. police. A little different marcher thanked them a little bit later. They put out a huge thing. Attacks on the Women's March expose race, class, bias among white Jews and progressive. I was going to read it, but I'm not going to. It's just full of fucking lies. Just full of fucking lies. They just didn't stop lying. Woman who wrote the article... Michael Cohen's going to jail. At least he's, it's very Jewy. Ultra-Orthodox keep bashing measles outbreak. The Capo girl. Jews need to stop tearing down black leaders. Jews are due for Me Too reckoning about Palestine. Jewish women must stand with our sister Linda Sassauer. Somebody asked, hey, do you, you good with those? Jane Eisner? Yes, I'm comfortable with those headlines. Thanks for asking. They shoved... Jewish people in the front to make it look like they're all about the Jews. And then they spoke. So this following soundbite is them putting front-loading Jewish people in front of the march. The leader's lying. Linda Sossauer's entire speech, but you're going to hear her excerpt where during her speech, she did boycott divestment sanction of Israel. So as they're saying they're not anti-Semitic, they show they're anti-Semitic. I'm Olawala Lakota, and I'm the CEO of Native Americans in Philanthropy. <laughs> Two years ago, our, our communities, our indigenous communities, came to the Women's March under Indigenous Women Rise. And we were so excited because a thousand women, indigenous women, traveled to Washington, D.C. to share their voice. And our sisters at the Women's March heard us. Linda, Carmen, and Tamika heard our voice. And they stepped up for us in so many ways in the past two years. They've showed up at our events. They've shared their platforms with our communities to raise up indigenous issues. The community that, that I come from, 
Our issues, our poverty, our pain is largely forgotten and left out of the media, is left out of the research, and our voice is not heard and you don't see our issues because you don't see us. And now it's time for healing, it's time for truth, and we also want to uplift the issues that our women are going through with the missing, murdered Indigenous women epidemic. And so today, we're going to share a song that came from our First Nations sisters in Canada, the Woman Warrior Song. Two years ago, we sang... But let me be very clear, yes. we have always unequivocally condemned anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, all forms of racism and bigotry. That's what we've always stood for, and we've been doing this work way before the Women's March, and we'll continue to do this work. What would you say to some of those people who have concerns about anti-Semitism within the Women's March group? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I think that right now, in this moment, in, in the United States, we have to center this conversation. I think that concerns of anti-Semitism with uh, the current administration in the White House are, are absolutely valid, and we need to make sure that we are protecting the Jewish community and all those that feel vulnerable in this moment. I think uh, right now, as it pertains to today, it's so important to recognize why all of these women are coming together. And the reason all of these people are coming together is to make sure that uh, the rights of women are protected and advanced. And so I'm, I, I know in my heart that all of the New Yorkers that are coming down here and downtown are coming in that spirit and not in the other spirit. To all my sisters, I see you. To my Muslim sisters, I see you. To my Latina sisters, I see you. To my Asian sisters, I see you. To my disabled sisters, I see you. 
and to my Jewish sisters, do not let anyone tell you who I am. I see all of you. I see you and I hear your pain. Whether you are a doctor or a sex worker or one of the 800,000 furlough workers who have not received their paychecks, I see you. And to my black sisters, I feel you deep down in my bones and in my soul. And I know that many of you heard a battle cry. You didn't know if I was okay. So you came and you called and you text and you tweeted. Let me tell you and make sure that you understand who I am. No matter what they say, no matter what they write, I will not bend. My back is up straight. I will not bow. I will not break. I am who I am for over 20 years and no media outlet and no one else will tell you. I'm telling you, I love all people and no one will define for me who I am. Only I can do that. Sisters and brothers, there are no perfect leaders. We are all flawed human beings. We should not be throwing stones from glass houses. You with this quote that moves me and grounds me in the work that I do by an Aboriginal woman named Leela Watson. And I want to tell members of Congress to listen to me very carefully. You will not negotiate on the backs of immigrants, on the backs of people of color. For no damn wall. We don't care what you got to offer because our answer to a wall in this country is absolutely not. No questions asked. Period. Point blank. The people united will never be defeated. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Signals Facebook Live. I'm Rachel Del Judas coming to you from the Women's March here in Washington, D.C., and we're here to talk to a few folks about why they came out to this march. Hey, y'all, what's your name and where are you from? My name is Laura Pratt, and I'm from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And where are you from? From Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So why did you come out today to the Women's March? Advocating for women's rights, being part of a, mo uh, a movement that is finally highlighting the uh, injustices towards women, whether it's through legislation, whether it's through lack of health care, is very important to me, has always been important to me. And we decided as lifelong friends that we would make the trek to D.C. this year to join in with all the other women that are fighting for their, um, their rights, their equality, and their recognition. So are you, or I'm curious that the Democratic National Committee, they pulled out of supporting the Women's March? No, I'm not curious at all for that, no. I don't feel that there are very many feminists in the DNC. 
And how do you feel about, so um, they, Women's March, they face some criticism because folks like Louis Farrakhan have been, you know, said very anti-Semitic things, and he has ties to the founders of the Women's March. How do you feel about um, his ties to anti-Semitism and the Women's March being uh, affiliated with him? Well, I think um, anti-Semitism is is completely wrong, inappropriate, and abhorrent. Um, but I also think that this um, issue has been blown a little bit out of proportion um, because it's uh, it's a it's women. And so we never have any kind of discussion around a group of men, and there might be somebody at the table um, who is an anti-Semite or racist or misogynist. Um, I feel there's direct media target because it's a women's movement. And I think we all have people that we may be connected to, and they might not have the most stellar characters, but it doesn't impact the entire uh, movement. Yeah, got to look at the big picture. And... Um, and not that we give people a pass, but uh, we want to pull focus back to the women. And that's what's important here. And so you mentioned this being a women's movement, and it's so there's so many women here. How do you feel about the women's march has said that pro-life women aren't welcome? How do you feel about that? I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, actually, because that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the point is, um, I think we have to focus on inclusivity and this is about bringing women up and bringing everybody in and not this group, that person at the table, etc. Um, it's really important also for us to be here for our kids and to um, show them that we care this much and we need them to also care this much. You mentioned caring for our kids. What are some things in society and legislation that you would like to see changed and why you're here today? Oh, well, see, I'm Canadian, so... Um I, I'm not going to speak about what I'd like to see changed in the U.S. except uh, the, the top spot needs to be somebody who, um, you know, we could be proud of. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. So if you're... Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am a little bit cold, too, so I got up this morning, and it was super... It felt warmer, and I was walking here today, and we're like, it is super cold out here. So what's your name, and where are you from? Uh, I'm Alex Palumbo, and I live here in D.C. And why did you come out today to the Women's March? My mom and my sister are visiting from Delaware, and they've never been to a protest ever. And they've wanted to go for years, and they said, you know what, this is the year that we want to go, so would you go with us? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I went to the first one. I was out of town last year, so I wanted to make a comeback. Are you aware, I'm curious, that um, organizations like the Democrat National Committee, they pulled out their support of the Women's March? I heard about that, yeah. There was uh, some controversy with the founders, I think. So the, the founders, um, they have ties to Louis Farrakhan, who said some very anti-Semitic things, and he hasn't apologized for them. How do you feel about that since the Women's March um, claims to be like very inclusive? I think, for me, it was more important to be here with my brothers and sisters to protest uh, the problems facing our country rather than who's founding it. I think anti-Semitism is wrong. I think we should denounce it, and I would like to see the founders do that, as well as uh, Louis Farrakhan apologize for those statements. I am here for the other problems that we're facing. What are some of the problems that you see we're facing that you would like to see changes to? I would like to see a little bit more focus on the environment. I would like to see a little bit more focus on uh, leveling the economic playing field. I'm a union member. I work for a union. I would like to see more young people seeing the value of a union and seeing how we can prosper as a nation as if we focus a little bit more on an, an economic inequality. Um, and I would like to see a lot more focus on trusting women for their health care and for their own making decisions. 
you mentioned trusting women, which is we all want to be trusted. We, you know, we're women, we're strong, and we're united. How do you feel about, uh, so the March for Life said in 2017 that pro-life women aren't welcome at their march. How do you feel about that? I think that all women should be welcome, and I think there should be a dialogue. I am pro-choice, and I believe that you have the choice whether you believe abortion is right or if it's wrong. I think everyone should have legal, safe access to abortion, whether you approve of it or not. And I hope that we could at least agree on, you know, keeping our sisters safe if that's the choice they choose to make. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Stay warm. So, hi. So you're here today marching at this Women's March. Where are you from and why did you come out? I'm uh, from Wilmington, Delaware, and I'm here because I'm tired of all the hate. So you mentioned being tired of all the hate. Uh, are you aware that the DNC pulled out of the Women's March because of uh, the Women's March's ties to Louis Farrakhan, who's an anti-Semite? I did. I, re I heard about that on the news the other day, and that's very saddening. But I think that everybody should get out and march against that all by itself or be in support of black women who don't uh, agree with Farrakhan. In 2017, I'm curious too, the Women's March had said that pro-life women aren't welcome at the, uh, the Women's March at their march. How do you feel about that since you mentioned being tired of hate? Oh, I totally disagree. I am pro-choice, but my choice is life. So I believe that I am both pro-choice, pro-life, and I'm here. I'm, I, I get a vote. I get to march with everyone else. Well, thank you for joining us today. Okay, take care. Hey, y'all. So you're here at the Women's March. What, uh, what is your name and where are you guys from? Uh, my name is Katie. I'm actually from Northern Virginia, so about 30 minutes away from here. And where are you from? Virginia. We live together. So why are you out here at the Women's March? Um, I guess we're just, like, really fed up with everything that's going on, and I, d I never want to look back and say I didn't do anything, you know? Yeah. The revolution is here. It's now. The, the momentum is here, and we got to just ride that wave, you know? Are you curious? Are you aware? I'm curious if you are that the DNC pulled out their support from the Women's March. I am, yeah, and I, I it's frustrating because of the shutdown. Um, you know, really kind of threw a wrench into things. But I'm so glad that so many people turned up, anyways. Do you? Are, do you know why they pulled out of the march? Um, my understanding was uh, the shutdown, and they just weren't able to support um, everything without having the staffing. And also, I think what they had said in their statement, so what's been reported, is that um, because of the Women's March's ties to Louis Farrakhan, who has said some very anti-Semitic things, they decided to pull out because they didn't want to be associated with anti-Semitism. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about anti-Semitism? It's bad. And the fact that the Women's March pulled out because of that. The Women's March pulled out because of it? The DNC, yes. I mean, there's definitely an argument. Like, there was one of the original founders or something, like, said, and then retrace and said i didn't agree with everything he says but had said something about louis farrakhan and like it represented him in some way i don't know all the details around it but momentum is bigger than one person and to to not show up is is i think the crime here in 2017, the Women's March said that pro-life women aren't welcome at their march. And I know a lot of people I've talked to here have said they're here because they want to be inclusive and welcome people how do you feel about that um, well, I think um, the Women's March is kind of about reclaiming the narrative, for me at least. Um, so I'm not here because I'm anti-pro-life. Well, thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you. Good luck. Hi, what's your name and where are you from? I'm Trish Boggs from Redmond, Washington. And what is your name and where are you from? 
Casey Hobbs from Port Angeles, Washington. And why are you here today at the Women's March? Um, I've marched the last two years in Seattle, and it's gotten worse and worse this country has, in my opinion, in the last two years. And just really felt we had to show unity. Um, I'm here for all kinds of reasons. The fact that our president lies on a daily basis. I'm here to protect immigrants, LGBTQ community, indigenous people, all the people that are protected and are getting less and less protected by this government. Students who are being hurt by Betsy DeVos. Uh, I, I could go on and on and on. Many reasons. And why are you here today? I'm here to support all women, but also the rights of all human beings. We have someone in office who is um, thinks he's the king, uh, has fascism tendencies, and people are not saying enough and not speaking up enough in daily life. We're on a backward slide, and it's time to end that. You mentioned being here to support all women's rights. I'm curious, did you know in 2017 um, the Women's March had said that pro-life women aren't welcome at their march, and how do you feel about that? Um, you know, I don't, I've heard that recently, and, you know, all women need to support all women, regardless of how they feel about anything. We all have freedom of speech. So I don't believe in any woman who feels like... Uh, other women are against them. That's wrong. We're here for one reason, and it's about Trump, and it's about getting him out of office, regardless of what you believe on other things. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Hello, guys. So you're here at the Women's March. I'm just curious your names and where you're all from. Um, I'm Kathy Penniston, and I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Beth Kelly from Charlotte, North Carolina. And why are you all out here today? Um, we... I wasn't able to come for the last two years and just really wanted to be out here marching for all women and all women's rights and just was really excited to be able to make it this year and be marching with all my sisters and um, just coming out and saying that in 2019, we really need to be get, be given a lot more respect and a lot more um, honor in our, in our um, government and be better represented than we have been thus far. And why are you out here today? Um, I'm here for a lot of those same reasons, but also just that there's so many things right now of inequality in our world, and we need to step up, and we need to do things like this to say that, no, it's not okay, and that we are going to make a change. You mentioned being here, marching for the rights of all women, marching with your sisters. I'm curious what you think about um, what the uh, Women's March said in 2017, that they said pro-life women or women who identify as pro-life, that they weren't welcome at the march. How do you feel about that? I think I am out here today for one singular cause, and that's to stand up with all women. And so I have no, um, I think a lot of times people are trying to um, divide people and say this and that. And there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of press about, you know, what different marching groups have said and this and that and the other. And really, I just want to be out here marching for all women's rights. And so I really am not out here to exclude anybody from this march i'm curious what you think too um the democrat national committee this past week they pulled out of the women's march because of some anti-semitic remarks that uh, louis farrakhan made and the founders of the women's march have ties to him i'm just curious what you think about that since this is um said to be a very inclusive march yes uh, well and i i just started to learn more about that and uh I, I sort of am with uh, my, my sister here that uh, I'm here for 
supporting all of women. I think that she also, there's those ties to Farrakhan because of his uh, ability to help in the black community. And I think that's very important for a lot of other people, too. But I don't think there should be any discriminatory about any race and um, or religious belief or anything. So, um, But I think that she's made some steps in trying to help um, get other groups uh, that they thought were not not invited kind of thing. And I, I noticed that she's been trying to reach out to those groups right now. So hopefully that'll do it. But again, I'm just really here just to support the women and all these other people here. No matter who you are, I don't care <laughs> what your belief is, what any of that. It's just to be support. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So I'm curious what your names are and where you're from. My name's Autumn, and I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. And I'm Annie. I'm from Newberry, South Carolina. So it's a little bit colder here than where it is back home, right? Yes. Quite a bit. <laughs> it's a good 30 degrees different today. <laughs> so why are you out here at the Women's March? Because I'm fed up. I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of not being able to make my own choices. And why are you out here today? I'm here to fight for reproductive rights. My body, my choice. So you said you, you mentioned being fed up, being here to support women. I'm curious what you think. In 2017, the Women's March had said that pro-life women or women who identify as pro-life, that they aren't welcome here. How do you feel about that since people I've talked to here say that this is a very inclusive march? I feel like it really just depends on who you talk to because I am absolutely... I mean, you can come if you want, but I don't think that it's the same um, ideas. If you want to be pro-life, that's fine, but I'm not going to agree with you. And if you want to be here and march for it, sure, you can, but I don't think this is the right place for it. And I'm curious what you think. Um, so this past week, the Democrat National Committee, they pulled out of the Women's March. Are you? Do you know why that happened? I don't. I, I don't know much about it. They had said um, that they pulled out because Louis Farrakhan has ties to the founders of the Women's March, and he said some very anti-Semitic things. How do you feel about that since uh, the Women's March is said to be a very uh, inclusive event? So I didn't, okay, I know what you're talking about now, and I had read something about that, but what I uh, also read was that the the co-founder, the one who's um, friends with the man who said it, she came back and said, those are not my statements, that's not how I feel. And yet, because she's lumped together with him, people haven't been able to let it go. Um, and she said, that's not what we're fighting for. We're fighting for complete inclusive, inclusivity uh, to include everyone. It's equality for all. And um, I think some things got misconstrued along the line, but that's not how she felt. And so I'm here today to support her, to support this march, all the women, you know. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Uh, what's Awesome. What's your name and where are you from? Fatima. Fatima, I'm from Middletown, Delaware. And why are you out here today at the Women's March? Advocating for all women. Um, If we're able to have the opportunity to stand up together and march together on women's rights, I think that we should take the opportunity. And um, it's just really important to advocate for women as a whole, all the different issues that are going on, and we should no longer be silent. You mentioned advocating for all women, standing together, united, um, inclusivity. How Did you know that the Democratic National Committee, they pulled out their support of the March for Life, or the Women's March? Yeah, I was aware of that. And it, did, you, are you, did you know why that happened? Yeah, there were some uh, issues going on with the higher part of the Women's March Committee. 
Well, uh, they had said, the DNC said that they pulled out because of the founders, the Women's March founders ties to Louis Farrakhan. He had said some very anti-Semitic things. How do you feel about that since the Women's March is said to be a very inclusive uh, uh, event? Yeah, I thought that was completely wrong about what the man had said. Um, and I think that's that's not okay for the leaders. They should be including everyone and they should not have that kind of rhetoric. That was really horrible, I think. And in 2017, the Women's March had said that pro-life women, women who identify as pro-life, that they weren't welcome at this event, at their march. How do you feel about that, since this is said to be a very inclusive event for all women to come and participate? They were welcome or not welcome? Not welcome. They were not welcome? Well, I think anyone should be welcome to go anywhere they want. This is a free country. This is, you know, our right of freedom of speech. So anyone, if they want to come and speak, then they can. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Stay warm. Thank you. Thank you all so much for joining us here today on The Daily Signal. Please like and subscribe so you always know when we're going live. And we are here once again at the Women's March here in Washington, D.C. It has been um, a little bit controversial for them lately because the founders of the Women's March have ties to Louis Farrakhan, who's an anti-Semite, and they've faced pushback. And big sponsors like the Democrat National Committee have pulled out their support. So we've been talking today to people about how they feel about that. Thank you again for joining us. We'll be back again soon. Standing up for free speech and our constitutional right to boycott, divestment, and sanctions in these United States of America. Assalamu alaikum, my sisters and brothers. Linda Sarsuri here, national organizer with the Women's March and the co-founder of Empower Change. Nothing has really changed in two years. I still stand before you unapologetically Muslim American, unapologetically Palestinian American, and unapologetically from Brooklyn, New York. We are in a very serious situation. And when we are in serious situations, I remember the words of great people. If you are not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. The words of our dear brother, Malcolm X al-Hajj Malik Shabazz. Sisters and brothers, there are no perfect leaders. We are all flawed human beings. We should not be throwing stones from glass houses. Malcolm X also said, I want to be remembered as someone who was sincere. Even if I made mistakes, they were made in sincerity. If I was wrong, I was wrong in sincerity. I can deal with the person who was wrong as long as they were sincere. Sisters and brothers, we come to this movement not because we choose to come here. It's because we have to be here. Our communities are under attack by this administration. The media can talk about whatever controversy they want, but the real controversy is in the White House. What's controversial?
controversial is a president and administration that cages children. That throws tear gas at human beings at the border. A president who wants to take back rights for LGBTQ people. What's controversial is our complicit support for a Saudi-led war in Yemen. Controversy is collusion with Russia. So if you want to talk about controversy, let's start talking about the real controversy. In 2017, we marched in the largest single-day demonstration in American history. A demonstration that was led by women of color. We declared to you in 2017 that we were going to win back the House in 2018. Not only did we win back the House, we put over 110 women in Congress. But that wasn't enough for us. We didn't just put any woman in there. We made history. The first two Native American women. The first two Latinas from Texas. The first black women from Massachusetts. The youngest black woman in Congress. The youngest woman in Congress. Two Muslim women in Congress. And my favorite of them all, the first Palestinian American women in Congress. So we marched and then we won back the house. Now we have work to do. We just unveiled a historic document. 40 years from now, you will get to say that you were alive when we unveiled a truly bold intersectional feminist agenda. Our agenda is not just about pay equity because it's not enough for us just to get paid the same as men in this country. Our agenda is not just about reproductive rights because we are more than that. Anything from Medicare for all to ending the war in Yemen, to standing up for free speech and our constitutional right to boycott divestment and sanctions in these United States of America. Our agenda was written by over 60 women, directly impacted women, experts from issue areas across the country, from legacy organizations like the ACLU and Planned Parenthood to indigenous activists who work on environmental justice and reproductive rights. That agenda has the pain of broken and hurt people. It is a policy platform made of solutions. And I will say this to all of you. We don't listen to critics without credentials. The credentials are in this movement on the front lines. And when you're listening to the critics, ask yourself this question. Show me another woman-led large mobilization force like us. And if there is an alternative to us, we are about to go 
organize with them, but it doesn't exist because it is here in Freedom Plaza. I will leave you with this quote that moves me and grounds me in the work that I do by an Aboriginal woman named Leela Watson. She said, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come here because you believe that your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. I want you to take five seconds to look at these faces because we're gonna stay out here in these streets. We will be on the front lines. We will continue to defend our rights and the rights of the communities that we come from. And this president said that he has an announcement to make today at three o'clock. Just to be clear, and we wanna declare it from the stage today. He wants to negotiate with us and the American people and with Congress. And I wanna tell members of Congress to listen to me very carefully. You will not negotiate on the backs of immigrants, on the backs of people of color. For no damn wall. We don't care what you got to offer because our answer to a wall in this country is absolutely not. No questions asked, period, point blank. In that, you heard a reporter going around, and I don't know where it was from, asking people. They don't give a fuck. These people are fucking extremists. They don't give a fuck. But the A-listers just weren't there. Uh, let's do a uh, like a past year. So whatever the list of those A-listers attending, like Jennifer Lawrence, Mila Kudas, pales in comparison to according, uh, previous year's events under the same name, according to Variety. The list of those participating in the march in Los Angeles included the following. Laverne Cox, uh, Erica Garcetti, Katie Hill, Representative Jennifer Siebel Newsom, Connie Britton, Laura Dern, Nicole Ritchie, Gloria Allred, Adam Rippon, Ricky Lake, Rose Perez. And in Washington, the list includes America Ferreira, Eddie Falco, Harry Belafonte, Jackie Cruz, Julian Margus, Maggie Ginnenhall, Maria, Maria, Marissa Tomain, Kathy Nemeba, blah, blah, blah. In comparison, here's a list of the big names who... We're at the events across the country in 2018, which include people like Scarlett Johansson, Cameron Diaz, Amy Schumer, Viola Davis, Adele, Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Lawrence, Natalie Portman, Adlana Glazer, Club. We played them all. Now, American Ferrera. That's the only one, and I couldn't get, I couldn't get her soundbite. It's like. It's not out there. I mean, everything you're hearing, I had to download the entire 85 hours on C-SPAN and CNN. Not the wine. And then listen to it. Watch a video, find the placement, go find the soundbite, bring it over to an audio file. 
and then edit it. It was so hard to get this shit because nobody put anything online. Linda Sassar took me fucking 12 hours on Sunday to find her fucking full speech. It's not out there. But the media, they were all in. The Women's March is evolving, but its enemies are the same. Long article. Basically, they're great. Nobody else says today. USA Today. National Women's March is moving the cause of women forward. Don't let critics derail it. Movements are powerful despite flaws. On CNN, they had an updated timeline all day. Uh, Alexander Cortez was spotted at the New York City Women's March Columbus Circle. I play her again, but I already have her front. I have the whole audio, but I'm not playing it. Los Angeles marchers, our voices need to be heard from CNN Stephanie Becker. Here's a look at signs they're carrying. Warning, highly educated Chicana. Warning, highly educated black girl. Oh, okay. Some cities cancel their march year because of controversy. Today's March's third year Women's March. and thousands respect to march cities across the U.S., but during the past few weeks, there's also controversy. Let's just glaze it over again. Blah, blah, blah. We don't care. Berlin's Women's March. Here's what we march. You know what sex, gender, equal? It's all... Uh, they have an ERA thing over there. You don't have an ERA. We are not overreacting. No, isn't that cute? Anti-abortion activists participate in March for Life. Today's Women's March is the only rally in Washington. And a anti-abortion... Pro- well, you know, it's so funny that it's anti. Going back to colloquials and masking and fancy words. Pro-choice. That sounds positive, right? Anti. Sounds negative. Anti-abortion protesters gathered yesterday for the annual March for Life, which has been taking place ever since 1974, since the Supreme Court ruled abortion is legal in 73. Marches descend upon Washington to protest the decision. The event included a video message from Donald Trump and addressed by Vice President Mike Pence. That's about all you're going to find on CNN. These are the priorities guiding the Women's March. They put this out in that little speech. I kind of edited it down. 2017, the Women's March is about building community. In 18, the movement forced on midterm elections. Now, the Women's March will be guided by a new policy document. The group released on Friday listing legislative and policy priorities that will serve as a roadmap for the 2020 elections. The Women's Agenda included proposals addressing issues like violence against women, LGBTQ, EIO, immigrant rights, civil rights and liberties, environmental justice, which my wife says, what the fuck is that? I go, good point. They don't know. These priorities are compiled by more than 50 experts from organizations like the ACLU, Council of American Islamic Relations. Oh, that's CARE. They're Islamists. Indigenous Environmental Network, extremists, PPFA, extremists, National Council of Jewish Women. There's a counter-protest of women so they don't feel welcome at the Women's March. This is all they covered it. A couple pictures. They made sure the picture showed a very small crowd. I'm not going to give them any airtime. Those little fucking sluts don't deserve it. Thankful the IWF women are representing us women who are not welcome at the Women's March. And their sign, unite us, don't divide us. Allwomen.com There are two marches in New York City just four miles apart because they're so disjoined. Yeah, they got to do it. Alexander Cortez, seen again. We saw her again. This marcher says she's tired of racism that comes out of the president's mouth. She's wearing a jacket 
I care, do you? Mocking Melania. That's very feminist of you. Here are signs from Seattle. Ugh, where do I even start? If you don't fight for all of us, you fight for none. This mom and daughter from Texas brought their tickets, bought their tickets to DC after Kavanaugh. Because just like hands up, don't shoot, even though it's disproved, we believe CNN. The Women's March has been surrounded by controversy. This marcher isn't bothered by it, and it sounds just like that soundbite. Oh, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Get a bird's eye view in New York City march. Sure the hell didn't do that to Washington, D.C. because they didn't want to show how small they were. The Women's March leadership just addressed accusation. It's all over. Forget about it. Then I didn't go to HuffPo or all those other sites like I did last year. Here's some more stuff. Believe women. Uh, he doesn't even have a dog childish Trump caricatures mathematicians for equality we are not overreacting that was just a really big one it's time to stop being quiet abortion is a valid medical procedure not a dirty little secret and of course she's in a handmaid's tale tiny hands but the biggest dick I've ever seen pussy is God Yeah, they're, they're just great people so Here's the ugly. Um, I'm going to play. These are stuff that are attacking Christians. Fuck Trump. Then I'm going to play. I'm just going to package these. So you're going to hear a pause. Well, I'll put like a sound effect in. What kind of sound effect? What do we got for bumpers? Uh, let's go up here to bumpers. Stuff I haven't used in a long time. Um, we're going to play, uh, hmm, we're going to play, I don't know, I'll find something. Well, what does this one sound like? I don't remember that sound like dumb. Have a little fun here with this stupid shit. Yeah, it's taking a while to open. What you just said. There it is. The most insane, yeah. idiotic things I have ever heard. Yeah, from Billy Madison. We'll play that. So we're going to do the ugly, and then we're going to do uh, Caitlin Bennett. There'll be a pause. And then I'm going to set us up for the Black Lives Matter. I, I skimmed over this, and I wasn't going to do it until I started hearing all the crazy shit these people said. And this is how they closed their march. They started it with indigenous people for some reason. You know, maybe that ties into the last story we'll do on the day. But they ended with these African Americans getting up there. Fuck the police. Fuck Whitey. You don't hear a lot of cheering. Through most of the speeches, you don't, because there wasn't a lot of people there. Which, once again, goes back to my argument that, what the fuck? 100,000 people went to the March for Life. Just in Washington, D.C., you had 10,000 people. For an organization that is disbanding all over the country, has been caught linked to anti-Semitism, will not, Tamika Mallory, we played the sound bites, that they won't, she will not distance herself from Farrakhan. I played that in the anti-Semitism package. I'm letting love stand alone. I'm not even describing it because you're hearing it. It's not me talking. It's just facts. That entire interview was on PBS. And that lady starts it with sucking her ovaries, how awesome she is, and then she shoves it at the end, and then plays journalist. For, she did a good job for like a minute, and then went back to, oh, go girl. So, 
We'll play Black Lives Matter. Or we'll play Black Lives Matter after I set it up once again. But you're going to hear the Women's March Ugly, and then Caitlin Bennett, who went on her own to the march. And I thought it was an interesting view because she's a conservative. So, what do you think Trump's belief is about everyone that keeps her husband away? It's not about keeping him wives. It's that he has immigrants that are, he has no, wives that are immigrants, so he needs to understand what an immigrant is and how he should appreciate that. So, is Trump anti illegal immigration? Yeah. Is Trump anti legal immigration? Uh, it depends what you think Melania is. Do you think she's legal or illegal? It depends on your. Depends so, on are you a birther? Are you, are you some kind of birth or conspiracy theorist? Do you think a Melania was born somewhere else and then came here illegally? Uh, no, I don't think she came here illegally. I think she came here fine, but she had money to come here fine. So, so you think... But so our Melania- country was built on refugees coming here to seek asylum. So let's go, let's go back. And like we said, give us the poor, give us your homeless, give us your whatever. So we are back. here for back. you, and we are here for you, and that's all that fucking matters. So I want to go back America, to America, I want, I want to go back to the sign. So the, the sign says, without immigrants, Trump would have no wife. We'd have one. An ex wife. You'd have one ex Is Melania legal or illegal in the country? She's an immigrant, but she's an immigrant, no less. Is Trump anti-legal immigration? No, but he's, she's an immigrant. Melania is legally she's an immigrant. immigrant. I think that's But debatable. she's an immigrant. Hold on, hold on. She's an immigrant. It's she debatable. came here from another country. It's You're debatable. an idiot. It's, it's debatable. It's debatable that Melania is legal. It's debatable that Melania is in the country legally, apparently. You said that America has only been good for straight white males. Yes. Explain your reasoning behind that. Uh, because I already explained this to you. For gays, for slaves, for women. But, but, no, no, you just brought up gays. But then you said Iran is a great country. Oh do you God. know what they do to gays in Iran? You're at, you, why don't you ask, why don't you stick with the, main, with the question you just I'm asked me? I'm sticking with my own questioning and you won't answer it. Do you know what they Visit do to Iran. gays in Iran? Visit Iran. I don't need to. Talk. I know exactly what they no, do. You don't. No, you don't. They throw... You, 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 are, you do not understand the Muslim religion, obviously. If you did, then... Are they accepting you... of gay people? Yes, as much as oh. Christians are. As much as really? Christians really? are. Christians really? are accepting of gays. So we're here at the Women's March. What's your name? Sam. Nice to meet you, Sam. So her sign says stop racism now. So what does that mean to you? Um, well, basically, I found that, especially feminism in the past, has been very, like, exclusionary of a lot of women of color and trans women. So, like, having a lot of signs that kind of embody different identities and, like, orientations, I think is really important. Because I feel like it's kind of a tendency for the feminist movement to be very, just in terms of, like, white, straight women, it kind of excludes other identities. So I thought the signs were cool. So one of the things that's made the news recently and why a lot of people believe there's less people at the Women's March this year than last year is the, the leaders of the Women's March are known as semis yeah. they support Louis Brock. So what is your opinion on that if you disavow the leaders of the, the Women's March and, and what are some thoughts on that? Um, I honestly don't know a lot about the issue. I've heard about it. I was talking about this with my friend. I don't think, like, of course I don't endorse any sort of, like, anti-Semitic remarks, but I think, like, at least for today, it's important to kind of push aside kind of whatever issue the leadership is having and focus on, like, the people that are here and, like, the movement. And, I like, I understand why people wouldn't come because of that, but I, I felt like for me at least today, it's important to just kind of focus on, like, what's going on. There's a lot of people here. I've seen a lot of, like, people with posts kind of addressing the remarks, and I think it's cool that a lot of people are showing up for that, even though, which I guess despite the anti-Semitic. So if you could say one thing right now to the leaders of the Women's March, 
about the anti-Semitism that's been going around? What would you say? I would say, I mean, it's, it's a it's an inclusionary movement, and there are a ton of different identities and a ton of like people of the Jewish faith here. So I don't understand why you would make any remarks or comments that would exclude any identity from your movement because you're really preaching like inclusionary ideals, and I just think it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Very good. Thank you. All right, no problem. just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. You agree to this. This we interview. Right to talk. We have a right to Get listen. The we don't want to listen out. to you. So she she's being pretty disruptive. Are you going to do anything about it? Um, I believe you did not want me. Get the fuck out of my face, dude! Step back. Don't tell him to stop following her. Get the fuck out of my face, dude! Wonderful. Go put a red outfit and wear it. Okay. Also, do you need to stand up for her? Take don't don't leave. Up for her? Take don't don't leave. You know. That's assault. That's assault. What? You know, stop. stop. Seriously. That's assault. That is assault. What's your name? Is this your daughter? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Is this your daughter? What's your name? What's your name? Is this your daughter, ma'am? She just assaulted us. Okay, your daughter just assaulted us. Your daughter just assaulted us. Okay. We'll, we'll go let the police know your daughter assaulted us. She just assaulted hey, us. Are you going to do hey, anything? Go someplace else. Don't touch me, okay. sir. Don't Fine, touch me. Go someplace else. Do not touch me. Fine, but go someplace Please else. back away from me. You've already touched you're me at this point. You're harassing these people. I'm not I see what you're doing. Leave I'm me. I'm not harassing them. Now, I know I kind of said it. I just want you to listen to this, okay? Listen to what these people say. And, and this is America. It's freedom of speech. It's not about they can't say it. My point is... You won't play March for Life. You ostracize people who want to save babies from people who are irresponsible and won't use birth control. I mean, back in the day, the argument was birth control was bad. That's crazy. We evolved as a country. We're not talking birth control. We're talking using abortion as birth control. Those people are extreme. Making an analogy, counter-argumenting, 
people on the left who will say, well, you wouldn't go back and kill baby Hitler. No, we wouldn't kill baby Hitler. We won't kill a baby. It's a life. And you lose sponsorships over that. And our media ignores the whole event, but will play this live. Shout about how good this is, how this is America. This is what America is based on. And I know this is a long podcast, but you're not going to hear this shit if you didn't watch it. And this to me, anarchy. They shout about anarchy. This is about as un-American as you can fucking get. They have the right to say it, but that our media amplifies it is just a total sign of how far we've lost sight on what's right and wrong. Welcome to D.C. Welcome to D.C. Where my D.C. folks at? Where my D.C. folks at? Southeast. Southeast. Holler back. Good afternoon. My name is Nene. That's what I'm going to be named, Nene. I'm a native Washingtonian, born and raised in the Starter Terms Projects, which is located in Southeast. I'm also a co-organizer for Black Lives Matter, D.C. Black Lives Matter. First, I want to thank Tamika and Linda for our atonement, for our future commitments. I want to thank them for giving us, D.C., a voice and representation here today. I want to use my time and shine light on the local concerns here in Washington, D.C. I've literally, I've literally been downtown in the last three years more in my, in my entire life fighting for my people. I attended a hearing. Look, you guys, it's, it's right there. Right there. That's where we go. City Council. City Council. I attended a hearing for public safety, and I had to remind our city officials that the D.C. Police Department doesn't keep black people safe, especially black trans women and sex workers. In D.C., one in five sex workers or in, uh, individually profiled as a sex worker have been approached by the police asking them for sex. Eighty-five percent of D.C. trans workers, black and Latinx, with 37 of them being homeless. The D.C. Trans Coalition found that 23 percent of black trans, that the black trans people were physically or sexually assaulted by the police because they are perceived to be transgender or in the sex trade. It's past time, it's past time to decriminalize sex work. We need you to invest in the future of black trans women. In 2025, 60% of our youth under the age of, age of 18 arrested, was arrested for prostitution they were black. 80% was black. Despite being categorized as victims of sex trafficking under federal law. In D.C., when our black girls go missing, it's silence. We don't receive Amber Alerts. Our black girls face a dangerous risk 
every second they gone. Human trafficking in D.C. exists. We have to demand our city to divest from the police and invest in community solutions where we can bring our girls back. The police here don't keep us safe. We the community and resources keep us safe. The police here don't keep us safe. We keep us safe. Because of the fearless acts that I take out here in these streets, this white supremacy government has placed a target on my back. It's one right here now trying to take my picture. I'm good. I'm a part of an organization that is healing, building, and infrastructure to empower black people. My spirit guide mother, her Tupman, who used the underground railroad to free a thousand of these slaves, she paid away so I may walk on top of the tracks, unapologetically black. I walk on the track, unapologetically black. When patriarchy come my way, I don't look back. Misogyny, I don't look back. Imperialism, I don't look back. When I hear those police dogs, I can't look back. Rhonda Durant and Gina Bass are personal friends of mine. And it's because of freedom fighters like their beautiful daughters, say her name, Kareem Gaines, India Kager, Natasha McKinley, Murray Curry, and so many more. We must continue to say their names. Their lives were shortened by killer cops who must be stopped. So I ask you, where do we go from here? I'm going to continue my journey on top of the tracks. I have a lesbian daughter and a teenage black son. I can't stop until God and my ancestors tell me my work done. Today, I'm going to challenge you guys. When you leave D.C. or return home, please feel free to, do to donate to a D.C. organization, a black organization doing the work right here for our black youth and other, I'm sorry, y'all. And my voice gone from yelling at the yelling at the people, the the pro the ones that was going against the pro-choice. <laughs> and other marginalized communities. <laughs> look. Look, y'all. Oh, for real, for real. I need y'all to hear this. I need y'all to hear this. In DC, we don't have a voice in Congress. So I need you to lead D.C. better than the way you found them. So I'm going to tell you, if y'all got those smart trips, you know, when you roll your sideways, I'm going to need y'all to donate those, if you don't need them, to the voluntary tent. Because here in D.C., black people and brown people, they get brutalized and killed for not having one when they get on the metro. Before I leave this stage, because I got to go, and April going to talk to y'all. But I want to charge y'all to rise up. Rise up from a system that's not built for the black woman. Rise up on your city officials that are racist and anti-black. Rise up with the one vote. Rise up from those who want to enslave our bodies physically, mentally, and economically. Rise up from those who want to police our uterus. I'm just saying, rise up from the black woman incarcerated because they can't afford bail. Rise up for the black women who are in the trenches, building a career and creating change.
need you to rise up for the one in five black women who are vape. Rise up for the black women working in the streets. Rise up for that missing black girl in the inner city, especially in Southeast. Rise up, fight back. Rise up, fight back. Rise up, fight back. Rise up, fist up. Asha. also a core organizer of a Black Lives Matter DC. I want to say welcome to Chocolate City. Though violent displacement and gentrification have melted so much of that chocolate away. As I look at the crowd this morning, I remember why the thought of that chocolate melting is so painful. First, I also want to welcome you to the district where all 700,000 residents do not enjoy full citizenship in lots of ways, but I'm just going to talk about this one. We are not a state. Though we pay the highest federal taxes, we have no vote, no representation in Congress. So what we need you to do on Tuesday, or whenever, I don't know when they actually work, but we need you to call, to tweet, to email your elected officials because ours, again, have no vote. And we tell them to support H.R. 51, the Washington, D.C. Admission Act. And as for hashtag statehood now. Second, D.C. is not just memorials, Congress, or the White House, or the Capitol that was built by slaves that the federal government rented from local slave owners at the price of $5 per worker per month. Where some of these slaves died when a wall fell on them, it was cheaper to bury them, so they remain in a mass grave still today. Third, I want to make it clear that not all women are for all women. For example, our mayor, Muriel Bowser, is not for us. Just this week, she vetoed the bill to decriminalize metro fare evasion using the same rhetoric that the two white male council members that despite Metro's own numbers to the contrary, vehemently swear that race is not an issue. While you listen to the national platform, you need to be aware of what that looks like in D.C. In 2007, one in seven arrests of youth were girls. Since 2013, that trend has ticked upwards to an 87% increase. Meanwhile, arrests for boys have dropped 22%. Between 2007 and 2015, arrests for 13-year-old and 15-year-old girls in D.C. more than doubled. And arrests for 14-year-old girls tripled. It should be noted that the population of females ages 12 to 24 in the district are primarily girls and young women of color, the 67%. D.C. has a serious police occupation problem. With more than 32 independent police departments, D.C. is the most heavily policed city in the country. And that's because there are independent 
police departments for everything here, every university. There's Park Police, there's Capitol Police, there's Metro Police, there's the FBI Police. Every library has a police department. The Capitol and Secret Service Police are, are the police that killed and shot Miriam Carey while her daughter sat in the back. With regard to the Metropolitan Police Department, those are the ones with the blue and white and red cars, because there's so many cars. The department has stopped and frisked eight out of 10, all, eight out of every 10 people stopped and frisked in the District of Columbia are black. We only make up 47% of the population in DC. Yes. The Department Gun Recovery Unit is a lawless unit of officers that rove black and brown neighborhoods, jump out of unmarked cars, and unconstitutionally search the district young people while wearing t-shirts with white supremacist symbols on them and a banner with their motto, vest up and one in the chamber. Let's not forget those charged with trafficking guns, one used in a homicide, and those, tra those charged and convicted of sex trafficking. You are visiting a city where the police chief, Peter Newsham, says being held accountable through oversight by the council of DC emboldens criminals. But then again, in a past marriage, his wife alleged he knocked her teeth out. Accountability is not his strongest suit. Fourth, you are standing in a city where black women where I live, cannot deliver babies east of the river. The closest maternity ward is miles away. And let me leave you with this thought. White women do not own feminism. Let me say it one more time. White women do not own Feminism. It's not about whether or not we feel comfortable here. The truth is we ask ourselves, do we want to do the emotional labor it would take to be here? Is it worth the microaggressions and all the women and all women matter banter for hours, the white tears, the eye rolls when Black Lives Matter is announced, and even more poignant, do white women belong in our spaces? If you can't understand why Black Lives Matter stands with our Palestinian brothers and sisters, there is no, there is no shock to us that you can't understand why we don't want to be lynched and chased down by the police. If you can't understand us wanting to end police brutality, to stop families from being separated, to hold accountability to everybody who has been charged with taking care of us, then it shouldn't be hard for you to understand why Black Lives Matter endorses BDS. You said what? Okay. I'm passionate about this. And lastly, I want to say you cannot demand how black women defend themselves or their ways of getting justice. 
You cannot make us use the language that you use to get justice. We as black women can be wherever we want to be because we say so. And I say to you again, white women do not own feminism. And if you want to know why, it's because this black woman who was born in Colorado Springs and reborn in D.C., a mother, a daughter, a sister, a sober, sober woman, survivor, womanist, and anarchist, says so. Black Lives Matter. That's just unbelievable. Key line I always love in that, a police occupation problem. So that was your Women's March 2019, same as it ever was. Unbelievably extreme. We're going to go out to a music break and go to a short news and media nuggets. This podcast is going to be like four and a half fucking hours, but that's okay. But they weren't done there. As we go out, they took the Women's March and harassed people on the subway in Washington, D.C. about veganism. These fucking people are extreme. China study, or look at Dr. Um, Milton Mills, the comparative anatomy of eating. Dr. Milton Mills. Thank you, sister. Let's have, if we're talking science, let's look at the real facts. Our bodies are not designed to be graveyards for dead body parts. Thank you. Mike? Okay.
but not for me. I like his stars above, but not for me. With love to lead the way, I found more clouds of gray than any Russian play could guarantee. I was a fool to fall and get that way. I always and also like a day, although I can't dismiss the memory of his kiss. I guess he's not for me. To fall and get that way, I always and also like a day. Although I can't dismiss the memory of his kiss, I guess he's not for me. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his Mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now.
That was Arlie Ermey being laid to rest in Arlington. I had to cover that because what a great guy. Um, I won't go into the whole funeral. That was a pretty good sound by the covers. It There was tweets and all sorts of great stuff done in honor of him for the Marines and soldiers, etc. Pentagon IDs, troops, DIA employee killed in Syria. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Jonathan R. Farmer, 
37 of Boynton Beach, Florida, died as a result of wounds during the blast. He was assigned to 3rd Battalion, 5th, Sports, 5th Special Forces, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Navy Chief Cryptologist, Technician, Interpretive, Shannon M. Kent, 35, listed as being from upstate New York, also died. She was assigned to Cryptology Warfare Activity 66. In addition, DIA Support Specialist Scott A. Wirtz from St. Louis also was killed. An American contractor also was killed, but has yet to been identified. Um, God be with their families. Um, Trump, Pompeo, greet the bodies of the fallen Americans. No media covered it, but they met him at Dover. Yeah, he used to do that for Obama, but I guess, you know, soldiers' lives don't matter to the media anyway. George W. Bush threw a pizza party for his unpaid Secret Service agents during government shutdown. Huge thing in the media, but they didn't get was he just said everybody needs to work together, but they made it look like it was him. A funny article from Task of Purpose, eight of the worst places to sleep in a tent in the Arctic. You know, my daughter's in South or North Dakota right now. It was negative 34 yesterday. I remember sleeping in that shit in that Arctic tent, and I gotta be quite honest, I was happy to be in the fucking tent. With a Yukon stove, burns diesel, just goes fucking crazy hot. I'd sleep at the far end, so I was away from it, but we'd fit nine motherfuckers in that clown tent and stay warm. It was cool. In a torpedo room, wouldn't know about that. On a metal folding chair, done it, sucked. On the rocks, done it, sucked. On a stretcher, I disagree, thought I was comfortable. On the top rack, in a C-130, I guess they have racks. I've never seen that. I slept in the web seat. On a coat cases and on the floor of the Department of Agriculture. This guy was talking about his time there. Long story that I'm going to push due to the length of this. Women don't belong in the combat units by the Wall Street Journal. I'm covering that in the next podcast because it is really a good article. It is by Miss McDonald who also did the Ferguson Effect that we've covered on the show. So, to our college. Crazy. Georgia TA, some white people may have to die. University of Georgia teaching assistant wrote Wednesday on Facebook that some white people may have to die for black communities to be made whole in the struggle to advance freedom. He added that to suggest otherwise is a historical and dangerously naive. Iram Osei Frimpong made the comment during a conversation on the overhead at UGA Facebook page. The comment has since been deleted. Osei Frimpong claimed in May 2017 that Facebook suspended him for quoting from an article which detailed how Texas A&M professor Tommy Curry had said, in order to be equal, in order to be liberated, some white people may have to die. Fighting white people is a skill. Hmm. Killing some white people isn't genocide, it's killing some white people, U-G-A-T-A explained. We had, it's a medium post, because medium covered it, good stuff. We have to kill some white people to get out of slavery, maybe we killed more during the 20th century, we still wouldn't talk about radicalized voter disenfranchised house education, housing education and employment discrimination, this should not be controversial. No, it shouldn't. Finding white people's a skill, he said that on January 12th, you have to get used to fighting white people. It takes practice. Practice. Blacks kill blacks because they have never been trained to kill whites. Dr. Bobby Wright. Last semester, a young Democrat meeting Frimpong compared southern white kids in America to psychopaths and autistic kids. We covered that. 
Uh, Democrats to wage war on the white electorate wrote that white institutions that make crappy white people, such as churches, schools, and families, must be dismantled. That is just a great guy. And he still has a job. Writing professor, grading based on quality is racist. Oh, really? Okay. American University, Washington, D.C. is hosting an event on February 1st, an anti-racist grading with a professor who serves as the director of Writing Center, which argues that American grammar is a racist, unjust language. The seminar titled Grading Ain't Just Grading, Rethinking Writing Assessment Ecologies Towards Anti-Racist Ends, will will be led by University of Washington Tacoma Professor Aseo Inyahu, who previously published an essay titled A Gradeless Writing Course that focuses on labor and assessing, in which he argues in favor of dispensing almost completely with judgments of quality when producing courses. I argue that a productive way to design and teach a first-year writing course is to conceive of it as labor and calculate course grades by labor completed and dispense almost completely with judgments of quality when when, uh, producing course grades. This is my ideal writing course. It allows me to cultivate a more critical, democratic community. It shares responsibility and negotiates most of the work in the course with students as well as the terms by which the work is done. Finally, it operates from assumption without assessing writing in all its forms that allows students to democratically address differences and see acts of assessing as acts of reading, critical judgment, and writing. The February 1st event will consist of one plenary session, the language standards that kill our students. Ew, Jesus Christ. Yale students can now select from three gender options. Students at University of Yale can now change their registered gender status to non-binary, male or female. So it's M, F, or N. <clears throat> yeah, that's an Ivy League school. Wow. Then we had a Democratic state senator announced during a hearing using he, she pronouns will be banned. California knows no bound when it comes to radical LGBT EIO activism. On Thursday, State Senator and Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Hannah Beth Jackson, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, from Santa Barbara, announced that only gender-neutral pronouns will be permitted. Our first order of business is to approve the committee rules. I'd like to note, in respecting the fact that we are now a state-recognized and non-binary designation as gender, he and she... We are now merging them, so we are using what my grammar teacher would have had a heart attack over. We are using the phrase they and placing it as a designation, so it's a gender-neutral designation. They, announced the Democrat. Basically, that's the primary reforms and revision to this committee rules. In the spirit of gender neutrality for the rules of this committee, we now designate the chair as they. The world is a different place. The grammar teacher is long gone, and we won't be hearing from her, Senator noted, for correcting herself. From them. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, the whole state's fucking shit pile, but using that they is so important. Hmm. Venue tells white gender fluid comedian that he can't perform because his dreadlocks are a form of cultural appropriation. Which shows that you just can never be woke enough, my friends. Then we have this nugget, which is why we call this news and social media nuggets. 
CNN Politics. Beto's excellent adventure drips with white male privilege. This is the guy that they wanted to crown the next Obama. O'Rourke 46, we are told, is Obama but white because of his fundraising prowess. He raised nearly $80 million and lost to Senate Ted Cruz. Senator Ted Cruz. He skateboards, he listens, he connects to the internet. He didn't raise $80 million. You motherfucker sent it. Most of the media sent him money. And Jack Kerouac style, he roams around jobless. Does he need a job? To find himself and figure out if he wants to lead the free world. This is a luxury no woman or even minority in politics could ever have. But O'Rourke, tall, handsome, white male, has this latitude to be and do anything. His privilege even allows him to turn a loss to the most despised candidate of the cycle and do a watching pad for a White House run. Stacey Abrams, a Yale-trailed lawyer, can't do this. Well, you know, there's a big difference because Stacey Abrams says illegal immigrants are part of the blue wave. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. And she's a fucking racist. Randy Caventresca says, keep up the silliness and Trump's your boss for a second term. And he's damn right. Prominent LGBT activist, Democratic doter, charged in teen sex abuse case. The ones that Terry likes are the young ones. Next podcast, we're going to cover the damn donor who's had two dead bodies in his house. He's still donating and nobody's distanced himself. Prominent LGBT activist, Democratic donor, and strong supporter of the dear one, Obama, Terry Bean, was indicted earlier this month on two counts of sodomy and one count of sex abuse against a teenage boy. According to Fox News, which is the only people that carried it because everybody else is like, fuck that shit, he's still an ally, the Human Rights Campaign co-founder pleaded not guilty on Thursday after being arraigned from for the charges and was taken to Lane County Jail in Oregon. The indictment was made on January 4th, but was not made public until Thursday. Fox News details a long and difficult task that prosecutors faced after Bean was first charged with sexual abuse in 2014. Bean, a gay rights activist who donated almost $70,000 to Obama, was charged with sexual abuse in 2014, but the case was dismissed after the alleged victim did not testify because Obama's fucking henchmen told him not to. Prosecutors refiled the charges after this. Court records stated, according to the Oregonian, the alleged victim has not named the new indictment, but the dates are similar to the previous charges. And this is from Oregon, and it makes total sense to me. Then we got Grey's Anatomy. I just want to cover this really quick. <clears throat> I talked about it a week ago, or a week ago, month ago or something. They had their first openly gay male kiss. Then they said, because it's Shanana Rhymes, who's a gay activist, hey, we're going to have them rocking a thing and the dude's going to be bouncing up and down on the other dude doing some, I guess, gay sex. Show the little paramedics place, flipping back and forth. When I tried to research some outrage on this, I couldn't find any other than India. Yeah. India took it off the air. And then I find this document that from 2007 until 2014, there's been like a hundred FCC complaint on their gay agenda. But the most surprising thing was that I found out they got slapped by the LGBT community. Because I guess at some time, my wife watches this. I, I don't watch this. They had a trans character, which was this girl that I think she was in uh, Ray Donovan at one time. She was Punchy's fucking whore. Um, 
Well, she was a whore, so I'm not calling her a whore, but she was a whore. And in in the in the show, and they wrote that character out, got nuked, so then they bring in the dudes having sex in a ambulance. So yeah, they weren't woke, but now they're super woke. World Health Organization, anti-vaxxers a threat to global health. Vaccine hesitancy is going to cost us big time. The funny thing about it, the media is now pretending that it's a conservative thing. It never was. In the scary file, I can't remember the sci-fi show I watched, but they had one where you downloaded your soul and that became a microchip and then you got put in other people's bodies. can't remember the fucking show. Humans to download their souls on microchips so they can live forever. People will be able to download their souls onto microchips and plant it in another body and live forever. A technology expert has claimed. Richard Skellett, a founder of Digital Anthropologist, an expert for future of work, has warned of a future in which British workers have chips inserted underneath their skin. The process has already been trialed with a company, Biotech, fitting 150 implants in the UK. And they're working for that, where you, all your thoughts, memories, etc., are shoved on a chip. That's you. And then that's put in somebody else's brain housing group. And you just keep living in a different body. They then talk about hacking, which, yeah, probably hacking some shit would be bad. Christian woman awarded $21.5 million after employer fired her for refusing to work on Sundays. No work on Sunday because Sunday, I honor God. A federal jury in Florida awarded a Christian woman $21.5 million in punitive damage this week, declaring her poor employer, the Conrad Hotel, and unjustly fired her when she refused to work on Sundays because of her Christian faith. Marie Jean Pierre worked as a dishwasher from 06 to 16. The hotel knew about her involvement in the Soldiers of Christ Church and prevented her from working on Sundays, but in 2015 her boss, kitchen manager George Colon, assigned her to work Sundays anyway. When she refused, they fired her, and now they're out $21.5 fucking million. This is only being carried in local news. Yeah. But to pound the point before we're, we're moving in on that story I keep talking about. The hashtag exposed Christian school hashtag gives us a devastating look at Christian education. Christian schools are to no one's surprise hotbeds of hypocrisy and discrimination. This is all about Pence. The Karen Pence would support this offensive, blah, 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 blah. It's like the handmade tile. And they get these randos and use it as proof. At the Evangelical, this is Sunny Girl 9. At the Evangelical Christian High School I was forced to attend, girls could substitute home economics in place of science. Wake Necron, whatever the fuck, weird-ass handle. Ben from Canada. I went to Christian school. A little white supremacist wrote a new chapter of Revelation, completing with illustrations about white people finally ending the native problem. Wrote it just for me. Showed me. The school didn't care. La Granasa. All the black students in my third grade class were told by my white teacher that we should be thankful for slavery. Otherwise, we'd be stuck in dirty, poor Africa. Believed by nobody. 
my religion PE teacher, assistant principal, would stand on the second floor balcony and look down on the girls' shirts and yell at us about wearing shirts that allowed the boys and priests to see our breasts. Glory to Bast. Seventh grade science review question, fill in the blank. Christian schools, Christians, excuse me, should avoid saying that different species are blank. Answer was related because that would imply evolution. Never saw inside a lab. Science class was an indoctrination. Ace. These are all tweets, by the way. During the retreat, we're given talk where the speaker compared sex to pizza. Everyone loves pizza. You saw a mom and pop pizza shop that's been in business for 20 years versus a fancy startup by a person that's been bankrupt several times. Who would you say is more successful? That doesn't even make sense. When you find the right pizza for you, you'll never want to add any new toppings or try a new place. Pizza is very personal. The entire talk was problematic, especially since some asshole invariably made I love sausage pizza joke. Oh, really? That's just... That's mind-numbing. I was taken out of class once because a concerned friend went to the principal about my sexuality. I was then compared to a rapist and a murderer and told to consider conversion therapy. I was then kicked out of school. It was the middle of my junior year. Believed by nobody. So I tracked down a copy of my old 5th grade health textbook, going to upload a much larger thread with tons of pictures from this letter, but I wanted to give you an example of that using a Becca Christian School curriculum as like, empty the pews, evangelical. And it just goes on. It's just a bunch of rando shit that doesn't even really show anything horrible. Doesn't, but they went with it. This was like Refinery29. Evangelical exposed Christian school want to understand top base. Read these horror stories. Another one came out because this was all online. Bigoted exposed Christian school. Okay, this is the replies. I'm I'm just ignoring this. Let's just move on. Cassandra Fairbanks. Bigoted exposed Christian school hashtag is trending for the same people who demand that you're not allowed to talk about Islam. Wow. Truth. I went to private Catholic school. They taught AP classes, graduated every student, outperformed public schools, and taught Christian values like loving thy neighbor. It set me up to do well in life. So yes, let's expose those Christian schools. Pete Hegseth. Apparently exposed Christian schools trending in the U.S. Let's start a real one. Most of today's public or government schools are PC-obsessed, safe space, leftist indoctrination fortresses that utterly fail our kids and our country. Joey Cortez. Credit a lot of my success today to the fact that I attended Catholic school for most of my life. The left's hatred of Christianity is disgusting, and the fact that exposed Christian school is trending on Twitter is terrifying. Katie Hopkins, for rejecting the trans mafia, for defending our Christian heritage, for protecting the traditional family unit, for refusing to apologize for being a white heterosexual, for defying the Islamification of our land. Wow. Shannon Bream, I was surrounded by people who cared about me as a human being, not just a student. I got a top-notch education that allowed me to graduate magna cum laude undergrad with honors from law school. It wasn't perfect, but there was a high standard of love. I could keep going on for five more pages. Here's the deal. That was what was trending. That was the top tweets. Not... One time my PE teacher talked about pizza and sex. And here's the reason why I bring it up. I thought the terms of service on Twitter is you're not supposed to talk about somebody's faith. 
But this was allowed to trend. Last one I'll read, and then I'll go into what Maisie Hirano said. Went to private school, Christian boarding school. Headmaster forced us to respect others. Threatened us if we didn't. Cruelly made us attend chapel twice weekly in church on Sunday. Inhumane. Couldn't be mean or even haze anyone. Look how unhappy I was. He showed a picture of himself as a kid. It's just bigotry. It's just outright bigotry. Proven by Maisie Hirano doubles down calling religious protections the alt-right position. In a statement on the Senate floor, Maisie Hirano doubled down on her attacks against the Catholic group of Knights of Columbus and accused her colleague Senator Ben Sass embracing the alt-right position by offering a resolution rebuking the use of unconstitutional religious tests. If my colleague, the junior senator from Nebraska, wants to embrace the alt-right position by offering this resolution, that is his business. This accusation is irresponsible, is unfounded. Sass has been one of the most outspoken Republican senators against the alt-right and religious protections part of the fucking Constitution, moonbat. But I digress. So that was something that was happening before the Catholic, which I'm closing the show with. Quick hits, and then we'll go into a lighter fare. To catch a predator guy arrested this week for fraudulent checks. Hmm. Just talked about him. Thought I'd carry it. Shelter says veterinarian tried to euthanize a puppy, but got on a different plan. It's amazing. It's already been um, adopted. Rudolph the puppy was euthanized, but he didn't die. They didn't give him enough medicine. And he's healthy and fine, which I don't believe, but... Um, you got to think if you get any of those drugs in your system, it can't be good. But um, he has made it out of the shelter, and I just don't know why as a puppy, that's the first one. They, usually they go after the old dogs. 777, the gigantic plane that could change flying forever is nearly here. It's the most expensive aircraft ever. Some of the world's most prestigious airlines are in tenter hooks as the first flight of an aircraft that could change long-haul travel for decades looms. Executives at Singapore Airlines, Emirates, and Qatar, among others, will have their eyes cast the skies this spring when the Boeing 777X flies. The 777-9, the first of the X family to be developed, will have the biggest jet engines ever attached to the longest wings by any aircraft ever made. The 777X has been said to be the result of very best of existing 770 plane as favored by the likes of British Airliner Dreamliner. It's an absolute peach. It is listed at $426 million. Hmm. NPR skips their own poll finding 50% Latino approval of Trump in regards to the wall. What does that say? Yeah, that, that... That was quick. And that's their poll, which you know was liberal-weighted. So, what the fuck, Chuck? Ghostbusters coming out with a new movie. It doesn't have all women. The world's losing their mind. I'm ignoring it. I was going to read a story by Rothman, woke brands and the sorry fat of empty letter-level politics because the Gillette thing is still going on. Won't read it really, really long, but he's really, really on it, really. I mean, it's just... It's just unbelievable. Because when you get into it, you find out this was made by a company. Okay? It's got all about feminist dogma, an advertising company. Gillette takes aims at toxic masculinity and blah, 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 blah. So much Kim Gehring. 
Well, we find out Kim Gehring has done all sorts of these ads. The first tip-off was clip appearance of Anna Kaspera from the Young Turks giving commentary on sexual harassment. This was followed by imagery meant to lecture men on proper social behavior, like mystery why men may take negative reaction from being called overly violent and sexist. Gehring is essentially recognized in the industry as a strong voice for women. Past commercials from Gary involved another lecture on male problematics. In Australia, the spot addresses the problem of male violence, which seems a perpetual scourge in the world. Then there's this one for Uber, not her note her version of manhood is depicted. A beta male incurs a number of humiliations in the course of a series of stops during a date. The agency behind the Gillette emasculation was Sumsish. The outfit has done a number of commercials as well with that are female-centric. One secret antiperson addressed the female corporate pay discrepancy. There was a Super Bowl car commercial that had a voiceover from a father bemoaning all the social travails that his daughter faces. All of these challenges are due entirely to her being a female and presuming that they are all repaired by the fact that the father drives an Audi. <laughs> the tagline of the commercial was, Progress is for everyone. This seemed to also be a personal mantra of Sally Campbell, the founder of SumS. She has not tweeted out in about a year, but the only means it has been that long since her strident leftist voice has been heard. Um, according to the Daily Mail, the British and executives, the British ad executives, were selected after Procter and Gamble, parent company of Gillette, commissioned Gehring through a non-profit outfit called Free the Bid, which assists in getting work for female and non-white commercial directors. Meanwhile, as the company seeks to upset its core audience. They have also intentionally drawn fire from the female audience. The backlash has included women regarding the raises for women being insulting not only because of the colors, but also the pricing. Whole list of that kind of bullshit. Ugh. So Edgar Watch Company released an advertisement on YouTube dogging them. And I want you to know, while this is playing, what they did is... They put numbers over the top of the commercial as they asked the question. The questions are, what is a man? Is a man brave? And while they're doing that, men account for 93% of workplace fatalities. Is a man a hero? Is a man a protector? Is a man vulnerable? Is a man disposable? Is a man broken? Is a man trying? Men compromise 97% of all war fatalities. 79% of all homicide victims are male. Nearly half of fathers without any visitation rights still financially support their children. Men account for 80% of all suicide victims. 75% of single homeless people are men. We see good in men, they conclude. And they only have 5,000 followers, but they had 766,000 views. With that, SNL, for the first time fucking ever, had a funny show. And they made fun of it with Kool-Aid. <laughs> so, we'll head out to a lighter fare with the, man, the ad from this company and the Kool-Aid ad mocking Gillette. Is a man, is a man brave? 
is a man, a hero, is a man, is a man a protector. set a better example. All our by 60%. <gasps> oh yeah! It's been going on far too long. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> you tell him, son. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! But something finally changed. The Kool-Aid man is in hot water after allegations were burst on And there will be no going back. Because we believe in the best in a Kool-Aid man. To say the right thing. Not cool. And act the right way. You gotta knock first and then ask if you can enter. Okay, bud? Alright, Dad. Guys, I didn't realize you were doing something important. I'm sorry. Okay, as I was saying. Times are changing. Because the Kool-Aid boys watching today will be the Kool-Aid men of tomorrow. <laughs> Who's thirsty for some Kool-Aid? <laughs> Looking at the time, I'm going to push those. There's two skits that were really funny from SNL. We'll put it on the next show, which will be Friday. Um, what is that, the 26th? Yeah, I think it's the 26th. Yeah, 25th, sorry. The 25th, we'll, do, we'll put them in there. And we're just going to move into this. So late last night, um, it wasn't really last night. It was more midday. This just went crazy. 
and to lay the groundwork before I start playing all the sound bites. What ended up happening was during the the March for Life, some kids from a school in Kentucky were waiting for their bus. And there was all these crazy protesters up there. This Indian protester who was part of the pipeline protest, has, has done a bunch of bogus shit, says he was a recon rager and nom. I mean, just a fucking lion sack of shit. He walks up to this crowd, starts beating his drum. By the time it's done, the media believes this kid was disrespectful because he sneered at him while this guy had a tom-tom in his motherfucking face pounding the drum loud as shit. And then the kids sang with the Indians. The liberal world went crazy and didn't research shit. A troubling scene many are calling racist played out in Washington yesterday on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Some students harassing an older Native American man, a Vietnam vet, in the midst of a special ceremony. Tammy Leitner has more. It was meant to be a time for indigenous people to be seen and heard. But this viral video taken during Friday's rally in Washington has sparked outrage and confusion. The video appears to show dozens of youths wearing Make America Great Again hats, mocking Native American elder and Vietnam veteran Nathan Phillips, many jeering and others looking on. Singing and I heard, I heard them saying, build that wall, build that wall. You know, this is indigenous lands. You know, we're not supposed to have walls here. We never did. Millennium. Some of the youths may be from Covington Catholic, an all-male high school in Kentucky, although it's not clear if everyone in the crowd was from the school. The Diocese of Covington saying in a statement, the matter is being investigated and we will take appropriate action up to and including expulsion. It's unclear how the event started. Tonight, some wondering how this peaceful rally became a sad display of disrespect. Overnight, new video calling into question just how this encounter began. Appearing to show Phillips approaching the crowd of boys as they chant their school letters. ABC News has tried to identify and contact the students in the video. The parent of a boy who says he was there and wants to remain anonymous sent us a statement that reads in part, An indigenous American man with a few other men approached the center of the boys and in particular one boy. The boy from my school didn't say anything or move. He just stood there. As time went on, the man with the drum got closer to his face. After a couple of minutes of the man standing there beating the drum in the boy's face, he walked away. You've probably seen it by now, the viral video sweeping the internet of a mob of MAGA hat-wearing high school students surrounding a Native American chanting and drumming in the nation's capital at the Indigenous People's March. The Native elder was identified as Nathan Phillips, a member of the Omaha Nation and a Vietnam vet. He and others were harassed and taunted by students from Covington Catholic High School, a private all-boys school in Kentucky, who, according to the school's Facebook page, were in D.C. attending the March for Life. As the students clashed with another group, Phillips walked between them in an attempt to defuse the situation. The videos have drawn outrage from all corners. The communications director with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Covington released a brief statement today saying in part 
We condemn the actions of the Covington Catholic High School students toward Nathan Phillips specifically and Native Americans in general. The matter is being investigated and we will take the appropriate action up to and including expulsion. Congresswoman Deb Holland of New Mexico also tweeted, This veteran put his life on the line for our country. The student's display of blatant hate, disrespect and intolerance is a signal of how common decency has decayed under this administration. Heartbreaking. And my CNN colleague, Kirsten Powers, tweeted at the school's superintendent. What are you going to do about this, Superintendent Mike Kleins? This is absolutely contrary to Catholic teaching, and you know it. Do something. Also, these boys need a better education. You are failing them. Well, those are some tough words, and clearly these boys are not getting a good education because it makes little sense to angrily chant, build the wall, to a population with literally zero illegal immigrants who were here long before we were. You could also say their parents have failed them. We should teach our kids to treat people with respect, regardless of our politics and our differences. But ultimately, this failure is all of ours. I wish I could say to these students, there's no place for this in our society. You can't do this when you get older. But unfortunately, I'm wrong. Adults model this very behavior all the time, on social media and on the street, and it's awful. So what I would say to these kids is, don't be like us, be better. I'm sorry that you see a president who talks gleefully about knocking people out and body slamming reporters. I'm sorry you see your elected officials inciting citizens to harass public officials at their homes and in restaurants. I'm sorry you see bigotry not only being tolerated but being boasted about. I'm sorry you live at a time when going viral is more rewarded than being moral. This is our fault. But you don't have to repeat our mistakes. Please don't. So you think after BuzzFeed, they'd stop, they'd research, find out what's going on. No, they just went with the wrong story. The, the raw, wrong story. And that was NBC that started that and it was CNN. Jim Hansen, more media lies. There was no mega mob hounding a Native American. American multi-Native Americans and investigated as the incident walking to a peaceful group of kids and taunting one, chanting and drumming inches from his face. No one said build the wall, and if anything, the kid deserves a peace medal. You see the boys here by themselves when the Native American activist moves into the mids. The diocese can apologize for the boys once the full truth of how the Native American activists came at their kids and the boys simply stood their ground. Maria, Maria Judy. Covington students bothering elder man, yet there's evidence of the man approaching them during their school cheer, not disturbing anyone. Doesn't make sense. And here's the video.
amazingly, the world, even conservatives, Ben Shapiro, they need to apologize. They need to apologize because nobody went and looked for it. While this is getting revealed, I looked for it. Joey Salas just finished talking with the kids who were at the protest. They were for March for Lives, not protesting against Native American. Their response, this is what the drummer was at first, and we were all staying there doing school cheers, and he started walking through our section, banging his drum, and the drummer walked up to the kid and got in his face, not the other way around. And as you can see, the kids just stood there, and nobody chanted, build the wall. We just stood there and watched. Why were you guys there? Why were you chanting? Our school is really big on school spirits, and we always do cheers together. We're all together. They were just simple school cheers. They weren't racist or offensive. We were there for the March for Life, and that's where we meet to make sure everybody is there, ready to get on the bus, and we just chant school cheers. When he banged the drum, were you guys mocking him? We were on the Abraham Lincoln steps, and nobody was mocking him. We were just like yelling and getting hyped because he was right in the middle of our whole school. Lou, here's the exact same guy making a claim of harassment from Eastern Michigan student. And Yipsley man said he was trying to teach a few students dressed in American Indian themed party about respecting Native Americans. Not long after, Nathan Phillips said an interaction with a partygoer student turned ugly. Nathan Phillips said he was out for a noon walk on Saturday. He walked by a home where he saw Eastern Michigan University students dressed in Native Americans. They had little feathers on. I was just going to walk by. A group of them said, come on over, come here. He says he walked to the fence and roughly 30 to 40 students involved in the theme party. They had their face painted. I said, what the heck is going on here? Oh, we are honoring you. I said, no, you're not honoring me. Rosie Memos. Oh, the Covington Catholic victim is from the Occupy movement. Tim Poole. We now have a two-hour raw recording of the Mega Kid incident. We can see... No chanting, building the wall. As far as I saw, a native group approaches about an hour after the kids were already there. And black activists are black Hebrew Israelites yelling, faggot. The school rushed to apologize. Then the school realized, because the AP of all people researched. Latest, Marcus Freo, member of the Pawnee and Seminole tribes, his students wound up singing with him, wound up singing with them. That sure is a shit different than what the vet said. In a phone interview, Freo told the social predator he felt they were mocking the dance and also heckling a couple of black men nearby. He approached a group with Phillips to defuse the situation, joining him as singing the anthem for the American Indian movement and beating out the tempo on the hand drum. Although he feared a mob mentality that could turn ugly, Freo said he was at peace singing among the scorn, and he briefly felt something special happening as they repeatedly sang the tune. They went from mocking us and laughing at us to singing with us. I heard it three times. The spirit moved. Kathy Griffin, well, 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 looky there. Maybe you should let this fine Catholic school know how you feel about their stupid behavior towards the Vietnam veterans. Names, please, and stories from people who can identify them and vouch for their identity. Thank you. We want to dox them. The number of adults bullying kids without having a full story because they can tie this to Trump is absolute vile and ridiculous. But then again, we're talking about Kathy Griffiths. This was done to these kids, not by them. Here's one hour and 46 minutes of context on who was harassing whom. People are trying to desperately get the whole video out so people can see what happened. But we all know, Kathy, in the mob, you are a terrible person. Typically, we editors do not use our own tweets in a story, but this editor just happened to snag Walker's tweets 
right before he deleted it. I know I'm a fa- I have fans in Paris Hill, Kentucky. This is a journalist. If you know this little shit, punch him in the nuts and send me the video of it, and I'll send you all my albums on vinyl autographed. Oh, guess it's not a journalist. He's an artist. Foo Bunny, why did you delete this? His reply, I do not take down my last post. Some snowflake reported it to Instagram, and Instagram took it down. Instagram is anti-free speech and always has been. But to be clear, anyone is offended that I don't like an entitled little shit harassed an indigenous Vietnam veteran can fuck right off. I'm pro-love. I love vaginas. I love penises. What the fuck's that got to do with anything? I don't know. But the guy is just, wow. Then stories come up. Catholic pro-life children now in fear for their lives after being doxxed by the far-left media. They were doxxed. Just fucking doxxed. Then you have this during it. This senator said the following. These are late arrivals that I didn't get into the script, but this is just amazing. Represented John Yarmouth. He's a chairman of a budget committee. He's from Kentucky and a Democrat. I'm calling for the total and complete shutdown of teenagers wearing mega hats until we can figure out what's going on. They seem to be poisoning young minds. The conduct we saw in this video is beyond appalling, but it didn't happen in a vacuum. This is a direct result of racist hatred displayed daily by Trump. The world, of course, crushed him. Because wearing a mega hat is no different than wearing a hope and change hat. But that was their crime. Daily Beast. Boys will be boys. Covington showed yet again why only white boys can smirk through that. Had it been my son, my black son, with a group of black and brown boys swarming intimidatingly and taunting an elderly white man, the story would have been different. Well, you know, the story is different. Because I went through an hour and 46 minutes of African-American racists, and this is what the kids were putting up with prior to the drum in the face. The media won't play this or even talk about it. And you see this? This is the problem, Israel. There's always our women coming up with a loud mouth, thinking they can run and bogart things, thinking they can come and distract things with a loud-ass mouth because they're not used to dealing with no real men. And we, you think we're supposed to bow down to your damn emotions when you're coming to run your mouth and distract what we're doing instead of coming with order. And with a real dialogue, she's coming around here being wicked. She got to talk to the, the speaker, man. She got to talk to the speaker. They trying to be snicking and disrupt. Order. Order. You don't have no decorum and you're out of order. Where's your husband? Bring your husband here. Let me speak to him. That's right. 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 
That's right. Because you're talking this order. You won't do it. You won't do it. That's right. I don't need to. I know. If I did, I would. I hear you. I don't need to. Because I'm here for peace. Listen, and that's the reason why the white man got his foot in your ass. That's right. And that's the reason why you talk like that. Because Listen, you a fat old Indian. You fall in there. You fat old Indian. You ain't no child of God. You are the devil. You are fake. You are fake. That's right. Go that way. You're not That's our right. people. Stop trying. You always want to take our culture. That's right. Just like the white man. That's he right. wants to be the Egyptians. That's right. He wants to be the Israelites. Right. He wants to be everybody. Here go this damn demon. Because so, you blow a ram horn doesn't make you our people. And That's right. Damn, you're a damn uh, a culture vulture. That's right. You're a culture vulture. No all nations. You're a damn blue-eyed demon. You damn dumb. Right, that's, that's the last Mohican. You lost your mind. Let's get back. I'm sorry, brother, but I gotta deal with these demons and I gotta Look at this Edomite right up in the middle of all of our our they always come up and they're trying to disrupt. Look at this Edomite. I got a Bible Slock it, Israel. Slock it. Hey. So we didn't we didn't sell. Won't y'all come up and ask a question, Billy? Don't don't stand to the side and mock. Bring y'all crack ass up here and make a and, and make a statement. They got a statement, Slock it, Ma. Yeah. Tell them come over here in the lion's den. Instead of mocking over there. You little dirty ass crackers, your day coming. Your day coming. Your day coming. Because you little dusty asses wouldn't walk down the street in a black neighborhood and go walk up on nobody playing no games like that. Yeah, I will stick my foot in your little ass. Think it's a game over here. And we can give a hell about your police. See, that's the problem. Most people think that that's done, that that's over. Ain't nobody playing with these dusty ass crackers out here. I'm gonna show you. Judah and Aaron is two different people. Let me show you that in the Bible dictionary. Give me that. It's the Bible dictionary. It's the Bible Compact Dictionary, page 213. Ham, the youngest son of Noah, born probably after Slaki. Born probably about 96 years before the flood, and one of the eight persons to live through the flood. He became the progenitor of the dark races. He became the progenitor of the dark races. Go ahead. Not the Negroes. That's right, brother. As soon as you touch my shit, you are your you ass going down. Asshole, you going down, you 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 get Why too you close. Why you been an asshole? Get too get, get too close. Get too close. Your ass gonna be laid out. Get too close. You peckerwood ass bastard. What you spending? What you spending? You wanna be pressed? You wanna be that pressed? Get too close. Your ass gonna be laid out. You damn peckerwood. Hey, Shawapa. Soon as he make a mistake, I'ma tear his ass up. I'm telling you. I'm trying to be patient, but soon as he make a mistake and clip up on somebody, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on his ass. Your, your college degrees was paved off of the bloodshed of slavery. Your houses, your, your mortgages, everything your parents own 
was given to you by the bloodshed of our people. You, that's right. You, you are succeeding by the bloodshed of the captivity of the North American Indians. That's racist, bro. He said, this racist. What the hell is all this? Right. What the hell? What the hell is you see a crackers with make America great hat on? Yeah, you're a cracker. You're a cracker. All of you crackers. Oh, they're gonna call him. They're gonna call one black man. Y'all got y'all got one nigga in the crowd, huh? One nigga in the crowd. One nigga, huh? Y'all got one nigga in the crowd. Oh, you got two niggas in the crowd. Oh, two niggas in the crowd. Look, look at this simple And how many, how, how, and I'm going to say a pause moment. Oh, come on. Come on, shorty. Come on, shorty. Come on, man. Get out, nigga. Get out, nigga. Get out, nigga. Get out, nigga. You ain't seen a movie? Why you being mean? Get out, nigga. That's right. Oh, y'all got one hoe. You see that? You see that? But we're racist. But we're the racist. Ain't that so? Ain't that so? This is the face of America. I don't shake your hand. Look, y'all step back, man. Just step back a little bit. I don't shake your hand. We respect the dialogue. Just step back. Keep out, keep out, keep out, keep y'all distance, man. Yo. If I had, when you went to shake, oh, you got Trump water, you got Trump water. What, what is right? What, what does the Trump water taste like? Incest? Tastes like incest? Does he taste like water? Let's get this out. Step their not ass only back. Our people been they know they not scary. But you got the American dream. You're sleeping with the American dream. You believe America, America will what you be say? What you say? You believe America will be great again. Young Klansman. Go ahead. Look at your clothes. But now is our salvation nearer than what we believe. You think there's no hope for blacks and Hispanics. You think there's no hope for the Native Americans. But guess what? Hope is coming. And Jesus Christ is not a white man. This ain't Jesus Christ. No, it does matter. It does the truth matters. This this is a faggot child molester. This ain't Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ be No, he's not perfect. If you read the Bible, you'll see he's a man of color. Boom! And guess what? Grace is coming back. Grace is, Grace is coming back to kick your red asses. That's where Christ is coming. Christ is coming back to kick your crackers' asses. Right. Listen to him because you might lose your scholarship. You might lose your scholarship and you might 
be on the wall, you better get out, brother. All right, challenge You better get out, brother. That's all I'm saying. Who's you, you actually, you're even wrong on that. You're even wrong on that. Say Nicholas was a black man. He said he's a product of sodomy and he's proud. He's proud to be a product of sodomy. A product. He's a product of sodomy. He said he's a product of sodomy. Just like a choke. Excuse me. Yes, sister. Okay, we're we're moving this way. Yeah. I know y'all a little younger than me. No, that's all right. Show y'all something. Go on YouTube, right? And y'all can look it up for yourself. Check this out. I'm going to give y'all something. Check this out. Go on YouTube. It is back keep the distance, man. Donald Trump kisses drag. You're going to see your president kiss Rudy Giuliani dressed in a drag you on the head. Most of us can't your, even vote. Your president is a homosexual. So I can Israel, my battery gone. My battery gone, so I got to go catch the footage later, all right? We're going to have all the footage. Shalom, Barbara Thar, love y'all. I think their conduct's pretty good because that was happening all around them just because they were for a march for life and they were making, wearing mega hats. And these are adults saying you should punch them in the face. Grown women saying only white boys can do that. I'm so sick of white boys. And me saying, how the fuck do they get in your head so bad that you hate people because they don't believe in you? And this is dovetailed with BuzzFeed, lie. This story, as I said, other than Jake Tapper saying it looks like this is wrong, late last night, CNN was still pushing it, NBC was still pushing it, everybody was pushing it, yet anybody who was on Twitter, all you had to do was search and you would find that this Philip Dick accosted them And he just sat there and kind of smiled because he's a fucking kid. And he probably didn't know what to do after being called a cracker, peckerwood, that his college scholarships are from slavery, that he's going to get his ass kicked, that a race war is coming. And he just kind of sat there with a nervous smile while dude drummed. And then the fucking teacher that was with him said, go ahead and do your chance just to try to break the fucking pain of what was happening. These poor kids waiting for a bus. And they just happened to be wearing the wrong hat and having wrong think that all babies need to be aborted. CNN still pushed it, still aired it. NBC did. All the liberal sites did. Every liberal politician spoke about it. Chief fucking Pocahontas herself made a big deal out of it. And it's a fucking lie. They're so busy being outraged about everything. They don't check. They just go off half-assed. And then they have no repercussion for lying to the American people over and over. Brian Seltzer won't cover this. Chuck Todd won't cover this. They won't go back and say everybody lied. They didn't have all the facts. The kids did nothing wrong. They won't do that. 
Even if they didn't mea culpa this like they did the BuzzFeed article, it would be, well, they're pro-life, they're horrible, and they shouldn't wear mega hats. I tweeted all night to fucking grown adult journalists saying, this is the sad state of America. Me and my wife have to deconstruct anything we ever had. Now, we never had Trump shit. We had pro-gun stuff. We had fucking conservative statement shirts. We don't wear them in public. We have no stickers on the car. Because you fucking liberals are so out of control, you believe it is your birthright as an American to lay hands on other people that don't agree with you. And the Chris Cuomo's of the world say it's morally justified to lay hands on Christians now. Just Christians. Before it was racist. We're evolving to wrong think. If you don't think like me, if you don't see the world like me, I have every right to put my hands on you because you're wearing a red hat. That's where we're at in America. Last thing I saw on this, and I'll cover more on Friday's podcast, the school's thinking about suing the New York Times. They started it. Everybody ran with it. CNN's still pushing it. They have besmirched and doxed kids. There were fucking journalists online showing school pictures The school harassing children who did nothing wrong. They took the abuse of an African American occupied, or excuse me, an American Indian occupied guy who's been caught lying three times in three different cases, and two African American Israelite racists. Shouting things to children that the media won't even talk about. But if it was a Trump supporter saying those things, sweet Jesus, they won't even touch it. Because it's the defense of these kids. But I did. It was online. It was right on Twitter. I went to the Facebook page, I did download the video, I converted it to audio, and I listened to one hour and 46 where he called people faggots, talked about women. You just heard just parts of it. I condensed down to 10 minutes. That was directed at these kids. So we surmise, faux outrage in the beginning, faux outrage in the end, total lies, that's our media, And that is the progressive world right now. We're just outraged because we didn't win. We don't have complete power of the world to push our religion. So we're going to dog Christians. We're going to dog people that don't think like us. And it's okay for us to demean children. I could play you a hundred videos of African American teens demeaning elderly white men and I played at least 20 incidents of white kids in mega hats or shirts getting their ass kicked by African Americans nobody reports it to close on that subject let somebody in a hope and change hat get accosted just verbally it would have been huge, friends. So this wraps up a very long version of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this to family and friends and segments. 
Comments for segments or about segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, FOPPodcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com, FOPPodcast.com. Theme, links to feeds, show, feeds for the show, Facebook, and our email. To Matt in Oregon, I'm going to get your article. He's got a great article. Um, I couldn't get it. I got to log in as my wife to get it because I've expired all my WAPO articles. So it'll be in there. He's got a great article about um, we counted African Americans as what three fifths of a person, and now we're gonna give them thirty uh, fifty three votes or something like that. I can't remember the actual numbers. I kind of fucked that up. Next podcast we're gonna roll on the twenty fifth as stated. We'll do it on Friday. Be a normal podcast. We'll close out this Covington High School stuff. And cover a few more things. And um, until then, stay warm. You're like me. It's cold. We got snow. We got more snow coming. It's it's winter down here in the south, which is crazy. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Give your undivided attention to your loved ones. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. Sorry for the long podcast. But there was a lot of shit in four days. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Five Over Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.